Welcome to Archery Talk 101 podcast, your guide to better archery skills. We'll bring you the latest tips, tricks, and expert advice, but that's not all. We'll also have interviews with top archers and industry professionals and reviews of the latest gear and equipment and much more. Hey, what's it like to shoot your bow and represent some top quality uh, archery manufacturers? Hi, my name is Roy Canterbury. I'm your host today on Arch Talk 101, and we have Casey on the line, and we're going to talk to her about her journey and in, in starting out in archery and, and now going to um, shooting with some of the top shooters and representing some top uh, companies. Um, welcome to the show, Casey. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, it's been an amazing journey so far. Uh, my family and I travel all over the country. We've had a lot of fun with it. And uh, hopefully it's just the beginning. So um, yeah, it's been great. So what, to, what got you started in archery? Uh, I actually just got started about four or five years ago. Uh, my husband has been an avid hunter for years since he was in high school uh, and has always went on hunting trips and, and been an avid hunter for a long time. And it was kind of just his thing. He, you know, took our boys and, and was an avid hunter for a long time. Um, and when we had our youngest, who is now 12, uh, he had gotten her into a local archery um, group at a local church uh, with my niece and nephew. Uh, when they were, I think, four or five years old is when they first started with that, just to kind of get involved with it. He'd wanted to get our older boys involved and they were, you know, they were interested in going out hunting with him, but weren't really into the archery aspect of it uh, near as much as our youngest daughter was when her, you know, cousins got involved in things. And um, so Connect Sports uh, offered a little, um, I think it was like a six week little archery uh, challenge type thing where you can learn a few skills and learn how to shoot a, a little bare bow and and uh, had some challenges every weekend where you could try and earn little prizes and and uh, got her started in that and she just kind of naturally took to it so she had a lot of fun every week and and started doing that um, and then when she started having fun with it he's like huh she kind of likes this maybe she'll get into it and so he took her into the local archery shop and got her a bow. And so within a couple of weeks, you know, there was a local tournament that the archery shop had on their little pegboard in the back. And so he said, I think I want to sign her up for that. I think she's doing really good and she's really liking that. And the other little thing at Connect Sports was coming to an end and he said, I think I'm going to sign her up for that. And I said, all right, well, I'll be there to take pictures. It's your thing. You know, mom will go and take pictures. And so I'll never forget, you know, sitting in the back and uh, a good friend of ours now um, was standing next to her, you know, six foot tall, shooting his bow. And here she is, this little kid just pulling back on, on this, you know, little pink bow and shooting her first tournament and uh she had no idea what she was doing we had no idea what we were doing but she was having a blast and he just kind of talked her through the whole thing she was so nervous and um she just had a wonderful time and one of the owners of the shop 
um, came up to us afterwards and he's like, so, you know, how long has she been doing this and who's been coaching her and what's going on? And, you know, we're like, uh, six weeks. <laughs> so <laughs> he's like, uh, yeah, so we need to have a chat about that. Cause she's got some pretty natural talent there. And, you know, I think she could do a lot if you got, you know, her a little bit of training and things like that. So that's really where it started was that, that tournament standing next to that six foot tall, guy and and you know her little church group and so it wasn't long before we found out that this was going to be a whole lot more than than what we bargained for so <laughs> she got into it pretty pretty intense right then and I believe the conversation was you know well 4-H is starting up and maybe get her involved in a 4-H club and get some lessons and I'd been in 4-H my whole life and was a leader and you know, the queen and, you know, done all of that stuff. And so I said, well, I, I think I have some connections and, you know, I'll get a hold of some old leaders and find out who's in the group around. And so I got a hold of some people locally and, and realized pretty quickly that in our area, there were some, um, you know, former pros that were archery leaders. So that gave us some connections right away. And one thing led to another. And so, um, you know, she was able to get started in 4-H and all of that. But the the fun part of it is that while my husband really enjoyed getting her started, um, the competitive side of him didn't really know how to handle the pressure. And <laughs> so he knew that she had a lot of natural talent and he'd get so nervous, you know, when she'd go out there and, and start to compete and I'm like, just do your best, honey. You're going to do fine. And I try and keep her calm. And he'd be all remember this and remember that and you, we got to make sure you're all ready. And he'd get her so nerved up by the time she'd get up there to do it. You know, she was sweating bullets and I'm like, Oh buddy, you've never done anything competitive like this. Have you? And so it wasn't very long before she was like, if you don't start getting involved in this, I'm done, you know, and here's a six year old girl going, uh, I, if dad's the one doing this, I'm out. Like, I'm not doing this. And I go, oh, this is not my gig, honey. I know nothing. I know nothing about this. This is you and dad's thing. I know nothing. She goes, well, if you don't start getting involved. I'm not doing it. And so, <laughs> That's some pressure. That was a lot of pressure because I'm like, I know absolutely nothing. I've just been taking pictures and letting you and dad do this. And so I think I went, I called up, we went to dinner and we at dinner, we called up dad right then. And I said, Hey, do you still have Caitlin's old bow? That was our older daughter at the time. And he said, yeah. And I go, well, uh, do you think that's something maybe I could shoot? I mean, I knew nothing, you know, I didn't even know if my teenage daughter's bow could fit. And now I'm like, Oh my gosh, I can't even believe I thought that that was even possible. And he's like, um, yeah, I guess now I know why I smacked my arm and, you know, made all kinds of a mess, but he dug it out and he's like, well, I guess we'll see. And, um, we, I went to 4-H practice that night and the coach kind of helped me figure out how to pull the stupid thing back and, you know, shoot a couple arrows. I, I thought it was just going to suffice her, you know, like, oh, see, <laughs> mom did it. Here we go. No. And, Nope. She was like, well, you need to get a bow because that's not going to work. And so, <laughs> oh. so that's kind of how I got started in it. But 
Um, you know, I was weak. I couldn't pull anything back. I didn't know what I was doing. All I knew was that, you know, I'd watched my husband have the best of the best equipment, you know, for years. So I knew what quality equipment felt like. Yeah. You know, I knew what stuff cost, even though he tried to hide it from me for years. And, you know, <laughs> it works, knew, does it? <laughs> yeah. I knew how to handle, you know, the competitive pressures of competing at a high level, even though, you know, I knew nothing about archery. I knew how to compete at high levels for other things. And so um, it didn't take me long to apply that to archery. So I kind of just jumped into it with that. So it's been a crazy journey in that regard. Um, I just used, you know, some of the lessons that I've had in other things to apply it to this and been lucky enough to find a bow shop with a talented bow tech, like right away that, you know, just set me up with an amazing bow right away that just, you know, took me where I needed to go. And I'm inquisitive. So, you know, I, I want to know the why I don't want somebody to just be yeah. like, do this. I want to know, huh? Well, why? What if, what if I do this? Then, then what's going to happen if I do that? So I think that kind of blessed me to get started. So, um, yeah. And within a couple of months or, well, I wouldn't even say months, a couple of weeks, my husband was like, yeah, you're at the limit from what I can help you. So I think you need to go to the Demer center maybe and get some lessons, you know? And so I wandered over there with my bow and set up and, um, talked with coach Glenn and, he, he was pretty speechless there pretty quickly. And, you know, he, he goes, this is either going to be really fun or really annoying. I haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> and it took him a couple of days and a couple of lessons for him to go, well, I, I think it might be fun. We'll see how far this goes. And, you know, five years later, we're, we're having fun. So it's been cool. It's been a journey. Um, I'm very much a type A personality. And so Archery completes that for me. There's you're never, ever, ever at the top of the game. There's always something new. There's always something that's broken that you got to work on or something that, <laughs> that yeah. you have there to improve. <laughs> so, so nobody's yeah. going to put the arrow in the center of the X every time at whatever distance they want to shoot at. So yeah. you always have improvement. <laughs> There's always something. And so. Yeah, that's kind of how I got started. I fell into it. And so many things that, you know, I have found that I really enjoy about other things in my life all kind of come together in archery. And, and it's been a it's been a wild ride. The season has been the most intense so far. Um, but it it's been really cool at the same time. Yeah, it's it, it, it's amazing, you know, when you get into archery, all the people in there and, and how, that how helpful uh, majority of them are. There's a few that aren't, but, you know, it, you almost have to try and hunt for somebody that's not helpful. Uh, you know, like you was talking about, you know, that great big tall guy next to your your little little daughter and and he's helping her, helping her through it. And, and I've talked to adults that are out there and the person they're competing against for the next place up is helping them. So, you know, when you take a sport where you're helping your competitor get better. Oh, absolutely. I feel like in this sport, you know, you don't want to beat somebody at their worst. I would, I would hate 
to stand up on a podium knowing that the only reason I'm there is because somebody had their worst day. You know, it's like, I've never had a great day when everybody in my group, you know, is having a terrible day. And so it's just, it's, it's also one of those really awesome things where, you know, you're just all in it together. And sometimes it goes your way and sometimes it doesn't, but at the end of the day, you know, it, it is about doing your best, you know, you're, yeah, you're competing against others. And I mean, there's a level of that. That's, I mean, that's what it's all about at the end of the day, yeah. but you know, we don't spend all this money and chase these dreams across the country to not be competing against others. But, you know, at the end of the day, we don't want to do that by, you know, seeing others struggle, you know, on our way home, we always kind of debrief, you know, the range. And my husband was telling me about um, the two guys that was in his group at the IBO Worlds this past weekend. And, and one of them was having a really hard time. He, he's like, I think I need to put some more draw length on this. And my husband looked over at him and, you know, he, his draw length is a good, you know, a couple of inches in front of his face. And he's like, oh, buddy, that that's a problem. You know, I, there, that, that's a big problem. And so he'd had a few misses and was just really down on himself and having a hard time. And Todd's like, well, it can't get any worse than that. So why don't we try and try and get it back on the target for you? And so, <laughs> you know, he's out there and he's, you know, bow-tacking it on the range and he got him back on the target and got him to where he was consistently hitting the target. Cause you know, he's like, he was just down in the dumps and only had a couple arrows left. And, you know, that's not any way to finish the day, you know, and like Todd said, he goes, there was no way that he was going to compete, you know, let alone finish the day with even the arrows left in his quiver. So, I mean, why not, why not help them, you know, at least find some dignity to get through the rest of the day. And, you know, at the end of the day, he still needs to go to the shop and get that figured out. You know, there's, there's some major problems there, but at least he got, you know, got through it. I'm like, look at you fixing bows on the range. <laughs> yeah. People out. One, one of the nice things when you're helping somebody with a problem, um, I became an arch instructor in 95. So I've been teaching archery for a long time. And every time I'm helping somebody, it's like, oh, watch my video. mission. It's like, why aren't I doing what I'm telling them to do? You know, you learn something. And when they have, when somebody has a struggle with something, you know, it's like, okay, you got to figure out why they're having this trouble and in figuring out why it helps you not only in your form, but teaching the next person. It's like, oh, yeah, the same problem. Okay, let's do this. Because you just went through all the trouble of helping somebody figure out a problem. And, you know, like you said, you know, they, their, their draw length was wrong. They had all kinds of trouble. And, uh, you know, there's things that, you know, you can do to help that out. One of the things that, I did, of course, my draw length is feeling more correct, but uh, I'd take a string. I, when I had my shop, I had a whole great big roll of loop material. So I made a loop to fit around my thumb. That was my draw length. So now I could practice shooting my release. And if the string hung up on my thumb, my form is off. That string should jump straight to the target. And when it does that, okay, I'm on. You know, when I'm struggling, I can grab that and I can shoot that no matter where everybody's at because I'm not actually shooting anything but a string. And it's just little techniques like that that, you know, you can have along 
you know, so if you're having a problem, go through, you know, you've got that problem fixed. That's some of the things that you learn as you're, as you're going along and, and it's just so much fun, you know, taking a new person, you know, like the person that's helping you, this, this person had never shot before and, and wanted to shoot. And then now look where you're at. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, as a coach, like now I've become a coach myself and, you know, you take someone through that whole mental management and, and actually developing a process and going through the whole thing and trying to explain to them that it's all about consistency, you know, and consistency through all the challenges. And so I always like to take them from indoor to outdoor. You know, it's easier to develop a consistent shot indoor than it is outdoor. And, yeah, you know, yeah, and, and you start indoor and you go, okay, well, at least indoor, we're dealing with controlled temperatures and no wind and no weather <laughs> and all of that. You're just dealing with nerves indoor more than anything, nerves and lighting you know, kind of thing. But then you take that and you add, you know, range finders and target differences and, and weather and wind and all the fun things, footing and all of that good stuff outdoors. <laughs> but, you know, it, you have to be a machine, you know, you as much as right. possible. And then, you know, we just introduced um, heart rates, you know, and even my youngest daughter who is as much of a machine as I've ever seen, you know, she's just amazing. Um, and she's 12, you know, she's, she's still a kid. She's still working through things, but, you know, coach will have her, you know, run like crazy and then stand up on the lane and, and shoot. And she's like, I don't know why he makes us run like this. And I'm like, remember what it feels like to stand up there and, you know, shoot head to head elimination. And she's like, well, yeah. I go, and you remember what your heart feels like? And she goes, yeah. I go, what's it feel like right now? She's like, oh, that makes sense. I'm like, yeah, honey, it, it's like you, it's hard to have consistency through all of these things and, you know, terrain and nerves and all those things. And yeah, I mean, that process is everything. So you can nail that down as much as you can. It's, it's all hard. It's just hard, but that's the yeah. fun of it too. You know, for, for the moments that I'm shooting my bow, I cannot think about anything else. And so right. for me, that's relaxing. I have so much stuff, you know, I have, you know, an aging parent that needs medical attention, you know, a lot and I have worries about him. I have older kids that I'm always worried about. You know, I have <laughs> yeah. other things, you know, I'm a teacher and I'm always worried about my kids in the classroom and what they're doing and subs when I'm on the road. Um, you know, I'm worrying about coverage for that. I'm, I still work, you know, as a hairstylist at home. So I'm always worried about people needing to reschedule their appointments or when they've got things going on and, you know, just everyday things. And, my brain doesn't shut down, but when I'm on the line, you know, or on the stake, I can't think about anything else. And that's a powerful thing. And so that's why this is so powerful. It's like, you can't think about anything else. It's a momentary pause or it should be, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so it's pretty powerful. Well, and until, you know, the, the way, you know, if you're using a, a wrist strap and they have a trigger on it, and you see so many people firing off the tip of their finger, 
Well, you can't aim and pull and move your finger at the same time. So while you're moving your finger, you're stopped aiming. Even, even as much as just as little as pulling your finger, your trigger finger. There you go. You know, that's why we teach, you know, back in a second knuckle and you don't move the finger. You know, you, you go through your motion, you back catch release. Like I'm sure you're, you're teaching because mm -hmm. that's how you get better at it. As subconscious as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and all, all that, just thinking about everything else, you have to focus on where the arrow you want it to go. Nothing else. Just focus. I'll tell some of my students like, okay, see, when I'm trying to get them the concept of not pulling the trigger, I say, okay, hold your arm like you're shooting, hold your finger up. Now, pick that spot on the wall. You know, I'll find something really small. It's like, focus on that. Now, it can see your eyes. If you break contact with that, it's going to blow up. Now, <laughs> pull the trigger. You move your finger without thinking about it. I can't do it. Then why are you shooting your bow pulling your finger? Or they say, yeah, I can do that. And they switch hand, the opposite hand. And then most of them can't do it. And if I do that and they say, yeah, I can do it. I'm done teaching them. Yep. I can't, I, can't, I can't teach them anything. You know, if you can't get that first initial concept, we're done. You always <laughs> make them come up with some stupid phrase while they're trying to do it that they have to say to themselves, you know, like. I don't know, peanut butter and jelly or something. They have to say something in their mind while they're, you know, going through their process, whether it's staring it down or um, whatever. And, you know, it's like I used to tell my husband all the time, he'd, he'd step up to a, a target that's square between two, you know, tight trees right around that thing. And he'd be like, oh, don't hit the tree. I'm like, you're going to hit the tree. Like you just trained your brain to hit the tree. Yeah. Like you focused on it. I'm like, why would you even use the word tree? You literally told your brain to hit the tree. And sure enough, he'd hit the tree. Like every time I go, can yeah. you please just, just don't say that, you know? And he's like, oh. so what do I, I go, I don't know anything. 12. Maybe say 12. I go, actually, don't do that. That's attached to score. That's a whole other subconscious problem. I'm like, just, <laughs> just aim or say aim or, you know, there it is, or here we go or something like, just don't say tree, <laughs> please. Yeah, anything. And, you know, and I, I tell people too, last times, you know, it, it's, it's what you're thinking about is what you're going to get. And that's mm -hmm. the way there's so many things out there. It's all, all mental, mm -hmm. you know, the, the mind is going to make you miss or make you hit, depending on what you're thinking about. And like you said, you know, I, I don't want to hit the tree. You just said you're going to hit the tree because now you're thinking about the tree, not thinking about your target. And, and I like to tell people, it's like, you know, just don't think about the American flag. You know, and I'll say that to a It's like, now what are you thinking about? American flag. I just put in your mind the American flag or whatever you want it to be. You know, there you, like, you could, you can picture, okay, if you're if there's a 20, 12 ring you're you're going for, you say, okay, center 12 ring, center 12 ring, center 12 ring. And then you draw back and you're concentrating on that center 12 ring. That's all it's in your mind is that center 12 ring. What's the chance of hitting it? A lot more better than a lot more better, a lot better <laughs> than than thinking of hitting the tree. <laughs> so true. I know I um I went through a mad, mad bout of target panic at Lancaster this year, and I didn't understand the power of the subconscious until 
I experienced that myself. Uh, my daughter, Claire, went through it really badly about a year and a half ago. And um, I thought I understood it then. You know, I read all the books and went through all of the, the training with her. And, you know, Coach Glenn and MSU was just like, this is the worst I've ever seen. I cannot believe that she pulled through it like she did. I mean, she blank bailed two, 300 arrows a day going through her process. I mean, it took her six months to come back. And I, I still to this day cannot believe that she made the recovery she did. And then when it hit me, I came off of that line when it took over <laughs> in tears going, this is dangerous. Like I, I have never experienced a situation where I had absolutely no control. My mind was just doing something that I had no control over. And my husband said, you're not quitting. Like, it, you're going to hate yourself if you walk off that line. I go, you don't understand. I get my bow back. I don't even know if I'm going to get halfway down on the target before it, my hands just go. Like, I don't have any control over this. So I started telling myself when I got my bow, like halfway down, like, you're okay. You're okay. You're okay. <laughs> like I tried everything, like talking myself through everything. And I did make it through without danger. Um, but I was like literally in tears. I came off and gave Claire a huge hug and apologized to her because I had no idea what she had gone through all that time until then. Fast forward. So that was in January. So two months later of battling it, trying to go back to basics, just trying to fizzle through as much as I could um, to NFAA indoor nationals. I was somewhat better ish ish somewhat better huh yeah I felt a little more confident um on the five spot I could mentally get myself through that I was able to actually um shoot two three hundred rounds by telling myself that to get to the safe space. That was the power of the mind there is I could bring myself to the safe space. And so what you talk to yourself or how you talk yourself through your process while you're shooting is so powerful. And I still use it like, cause I, I mean, I'm still battling it. This season has been rough. It has been tough. I have not had time to properly get through this, this panic that I've experienced all summer, all, you know, all summer, all season, it's much better. I'm better at aiming than I, I was earlier in the season. Um, but it's, it's all a mental, you know, thing and how you talk to yourself. Cause it's literally telling myself I'm in the safe space. It's safe. It's safe. It's <laughs> yeah. safe. Boom. <laughs> and it's like, you know, it, it's so powerful. And so if, if people would realize more how mental this game is, they could be much stronger in what they're, they're doing and how important it is um, to maintain a really, really good headspace, to not put super high expectations of themselves out there when they're competing or even hunting. I mean, I think, yeah. 
you go out there and you just have this expectation of yourself or, or, you know, not, or these super over, you know, exaggerated belief in what you can physically do, you know, and you're making terrible shots on, you know, on animals that you are really not able to make, you know, that are not necessarily ethical, um, you know, and, and just really go out there and have real, real expectations of what you're able to do and the, and the mindset of what you, you've got going so that you can make great shots because the headspace yeah. is, is a big part of it. You know, you'd be much more successful with everything you do. If you've got a, got a great mental management, a real great, you know, mental game, then you're not pulling back on it. Like, I mean, some of that, you're just excited, you know, but yeah. <laughs> Some of it is not being properly prepared to begin with, you know, working in the bow shops. It's like some of these people, you know, they'll go out and they're buying their broadheads the night before, you know, at Walmart or something they've never even sighted in their bows or they're not prepared or they're not doing their things. And then you go out there and they're not ready. And, and some of that's all part of that mentally being ready for what they're doing, but you know, it's just kind of getting ready for it mentally and physically. It's just, it's a lot. Yeah. And your broadheads don't shoot like field tips. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, no. And, and, you know, when you set up like a, a dozen, dozen arrows, you know, for, for hunting with a dozen broadheads, all 12 are not going to hit in the same spot. Mm -mm. You got to tune them and you know, on, on mine, I use fixed blades, you know, that's, and I'm not real fond of mechanicals, you know, especially at the lower weights, the higher weights it did, but as the bows got faster and faster, it's hard to get fixed blades to actually fly consistently. So that's where the mechanicals help on that. Um, mm -hmm. I do have a set. I never shot them. I just shoot my muzzies because <laughs> I, I know they work. I, I know how they work out of my hunting bow and and I, I don't worry about how it shoots field tips on that bow. I just grab the other bow if I want to shoot field tips. Or if I'm practicing field to that one, I know it's not going to hit where I'm aiming because the broadheads do. And you can tune them in so that the broadheads hit. And I always have extra blades. So I just put dull blades in, not the practice blades, just the regular dull, regular broadhead blades. I shoot those and, and put them in a broadhead target. And then when I get ready, I put in the sharp ones and I'm ready to go. Well, and it's so hard because I don't put a lot of time into, you know, my hunting setup and, and my pin setup. And so at IBO Worlds, I had to make a decision between my open setup that I shoot all year long and, you know, going, oh, I really want to go into the hunter class so I can shoot my pin setup and, and you know, make sure I'm good with that and, and put some time behind it. And so I did that this last, this last weekend. It was a lot of fun. but. Um, I'm highly critical of how well I shoot that hunter setup. Um, I have a couple of friends that I have shot with in the past. One of them, I, I don't even really talk with much anymore because we have a difference of opinion when it comes <laughs> to, you know, the caliber of shooting you should have when you're going out and hunting. And I've always been super critical of myself because I'm so critical of how well 
you know, you should be tuning, you know, your arrows and your bows and things like that. And so I always get teased because the bow manager at our, you know, shop um, at Gold Star Outdoors, which is the, uh, in Edmore here in Michigan that we work with, um, he's always like, you are just fine. Go out and hunt. You are a good shot. You're a good shot. And I go, I'm not quite good enough with this setup yet. You know, and he's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> knock it off. You know, and he's like, that setup is great. You're a great shot. You're good. Because, you know, this, this one former friend of mine, she used to go, oh, I suck at this target shooting. And so I'm just going to hunt. And I'm like, now, wait a minute. <laughs> You're telling me that you can't shoot a foam animal at 30 yards or less that doesn't move and hit the 10 ring <laughs> with a field point. Yeah. <laughs> And a range finder and a solid three minutes. So I have, I have a difference of opinion on that. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's really hard for me. So a lot of times, if I don't have a lot of time to make sure that my setup is right on and do that, I'm just really overcritical of myself, but it doesn't mean you have to, I'm just overcritically of my overcritical of myself. So it felt really good to get behind my hunts, my hunting setup and my pins yeah. this last weekend so that I can actually get in the woods this fall and feel really good behind it. Cause, um, I just feel like I need to feel really confident if I'm going to get out there, I want to make a good ethical shot. And I want to make sure that I'm hitting behind the pin and, and my arrows are tuned and everything's good to go. Yeah, just along those lines, uh, one of the clubs I was in for a while, uh, we had what's called a broadhead tune-up day, where normally you can't shoot broadheads in an indoor range because they just, for one, they're going to tear up the targets, and two, you may not get it out of them because oh, uh, yeah. they're not designed for it. Um, so we had had them in, we'd come in, we'd work with them, and we had a target set up at 10 yards. I was amazed how many couldn't even hit the target at 10 yards, Yeah, and yet they're going to go hunt. It's like, and that's why we did it because you know we all make bad shots. Oh, I missed absolutely. a deer at ten yards because I forgot to aim. I just drew up, looked at the deer, I forgot to take the bow and put the pins right even on it. That none of the pins are even on the deer, you know. And I couldn't figure mm -hmm. out it's like why. So I put my field tip in and picked out a leaf and hit it. Yeah, okay. Now I know what happened. I forgot to aim. You know, I forgot to aim. <laughs> you know, and mm -hmm. we all do that. And that's the, that's the part of it. And I think that's why I'm so critical of myself. I'm like, because it, the parts I can control is half of it. There's so much uncontrollable stuff that, right. you know, it's like, if I can at least minimize the stuff that I can control, then the uncontrollable stuff, you know, everything else that I have no control over might minimize the fact that, you know, it might be pretty detrimental. <laughs> on the other side of it because yeah there's just other things that are just out of your control there yeah i know when i worked at Bassford one time this guy come in and wanted to scope put on his his rifle and he was going to go hunt the next day and he, he figured boar sight would be good enough well the guy was setting up made sure that scope was off so far you'd never hit anything exactly. if you're not going to go and take and at least take a couple of shots to see where it's at. That's scary. You know, so he made sure it wasn't going to get wounded animals because boar sighting is going to get you close on the papers, <laughs> all it's designed to do. You know, and, and the same thing when we set up the bows, 
you know, I've set them up so many times that, you know, I can get that rest pretty darn close, you know, both the windage and elevation, put the sights on. I know just right about where the sights need to be. I kind of get them roughed in. Um, but if you don't go shoot them, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to not want you to go out because you got to at least shoot it. The nice thing about it in a range, you're already there and you're setting it up. Go take some shots. Right. Um, yeah, at least you have, so, okay, my 20 yard pin is on. If you haven't changed anything, um, you know, then you're all right. But, you know, your 30, 40 yard pins, if you haven't ever set them, then you don't know where they're at. And a lot of times, if we're not going to set those up, it's a 10 yard pin. I'll set the 10 and move the other ones all the way down. You know, if we can do that, it's like uh, you got 10 yards, 10 to 15 yards, all you can take. Anything more than that, you're not set up for it. You know, exactly. Go out and set it. that 20 and then set that 30. And, and it's so sad because I, I, you know, I'm a huge advocate for bow hunting and getting into target archery and doing that. Like I want everybody to get involved. I, you know, I want every single person I meet to get involved. There's so much good, but it, you cannot half it. You know, it, no. it, there's too much on the line. That's what gives, you know, hunting a bad rap. That's what, you know, gives people that because, you know, one or two people that go out and just kind of maim something because they aren't prepared or they're, you know, they're just kind of out flinging arrows or doing things that unfortunately that's, what's given it a bad rap. Whereas, you know, people that are going out and they're prepared and they're, they're taking it seriously and they're feeding their families, you know, by filling their freezers, you know, doing the right thing. And, you know, you can do everything right and still make a bad shot. They could get spooked at the, at the, last second something you know something was in the way you didn't quite see something you know it's still you knew everything right and it still isn't perfect that little but, branch that's smaller than your little finger that you you can't see you exactly. know you're really straight in to see it it's like <laughs> there's still that there's still the uncontrollable however you know the other side of that is is that and so it's really hard that's why i'm i'm so um I'm such an advocate for the kids getting involved in, in S3DA or 4-H or getting that involved so early on so that they're getting these skills right away and they're learning the foundation of it so that they understand that this is not something that you learn five days before you decide you want to go in the woods, you know, and yeah. that there's so much more to it, you know, and, and just developing those skills to be able to go out and, and have some fun with it. And then finding that, you know, hey, there's a whole side of this that you can go out and, you know, set some goals and compete and, and, and meet a whole new, you know, group of people that you find like have similar values. And, and, you know, we, I mean, we literally call them our archery family. Like we have a whole group of people that are an extended family of ourselves. I, we literally call them our, our, second family and so now we travel all over the country and see our you know our second family so um and it all lends back to that it's just getting people involved in those things and I hope that 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 advocacy continues to to show that hey there's so much more to this than you know whether you hunt or if you do this for sport either way 
it, it feeds a lot of different things. Yeah, and I've had people, you know, asking if they shoot a bow. It's like, well, I don't, I don't want to hunt. Okay, that's not what I asked you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, you should. You know, a bow doesn't mean you hunt. Right. You know, some just like to just fling arrows in the backyard with the kids. Absolutely. You know, and others like to go to tournaments. I get. You can go anywhere from just grabbing a stick, put a string on it, and grab another stick, and shooting off your hand, and and go from there. You know, that's archery. Um, absolutely that's how it started <laughs> actually you know um but you know you can take it as far as you want to go and you know like you've done you you know you you got into this a few years ago and and now as you know looking on your uh, your profile and, and you, your staff shooters and you rep all these different companies and um tell us a little bit you know how you got into being able to um you know represent different manufacturers yeah so um, let's see. So I started with um, just being involved in the local bow shop. So um, uh, I mentioned Gold Star Outdoors. So we have a right. small cottage in Crystal, Michigan. Um, now we have an Airbnb. We rent it as an Airbnb because we're never there. It sat there for two summers and we didn't even visit it um, other <laughs> than to go see our bow shop and um, you know take Claire to practice at her S3DA uh, thing. So now it's an Airbnb where we stay at other Airbnbs and we're traveling. But um, so we started with that. Uh, we got involved there. We started helping out um, and being really involved in that. And then um, I believe, I'm trying to think who our first, I believe it was Gold Tip. We went to um, one of the first Pro-Ams so I believe it was the ASA London program and we were in the team shoot and Claire um, was on the team shoot with Tim Gillingham and she's pretty amazing shot. So of course she really impressed him and he was like, who is this little girl? Where'd she come from? And so um, she got talking with him and he said, you know, I want you to send me a little shooter resume. I want to see what you've been doing, you know, locally and, and talk to her or talk to him about that. Um, and so we sent that in uh, when it came time to be, you know, to apply. And so we put that together. We had no idea what that meant <laughs> and to go do some <laughs> research and, and figure that out. Um, and since then, you know, we figured out like, oh, so, you know, you have to list your accomplishments and talk about how you can benefit their company. So the first thing you need to do is, is shoot um, the products and, and equipment that you like. You know, you should definitely like the products and equipment that right. you want to represent. Um, you should definitely uh, believe in it. You know, everything that we shoot, we, we shoot because we like it. We believe it's top quality equipment. Um, we can explain why we shoot it, how it works. I can show the features and benefits of it. I can tell you what it costs. I can tell you where to get it. Um, so we're kind of like walking, talking spokespeople. Um, yeah. I shoot many different types of archery. So, um, and what I mean by that is like we shoot indoor, outdoor, outdoor field, target, 3D. Um, we just like it all. So we tend to shoot a lot of it. So I am a little bit 
silly when it comes to like arrows. Like I like fresh arrows all the time. And so um, my husband teases me that I probably have the most arrows of our entire family. I have like buckets and buckets full of arrows. So I'm always building new arrows and have all of that. So I knew right away I needed to get into some representing some arrows. So I always have different things that I can let people try or show them, you know, like trying different things. Um, but I've always got different setups going. So I have an indoor setup, an outdoor setup, indoor target, outdoor target, 3D, a field setup. Um, and I have different types of bows and stabilizers and things like that. So um, it may, it lends itself for me to be able to represent companies and their equipment fairly easy because I don't just have one setup. It, it, it's a lot harder for you to um, be able to offer um, that for, you know, a variety of companies right away, unless you're in the professional division, um, if you don't shoot a lot of different things right away. Um, so as an amateur, I'm fortunate because we do shoot a lot of different types of things and, and, um, bows. So yeah, we're always setting something up. <laughs> so we're fortunate to be one of the few amateurs that are, um, factory staff for gas bow strings, but I probably, you know, keep them, keep them pretty busy in our household alone, keeping all of our bows and fresh strings. <laughs> But um, yeah, it, it it's fun. We're just, we really like our equipment. And so we keep it on there, but it's really about being able to, to be marketable for a company is how you get started with it. But it, it's more about just being able to, to explain the features and benefits and why you really like it. But it starts with just liking the equipment. You know, I talk to a lot of people that are like, hey, how do you get started with the company? And and most people just think that it's like, oh, I just want free product or if I want things. And a lot of times it just starts with like getting a discount on something you already own. Well, right. Yeah. I mean, that that's what sponsors are. You know, you're you're going to get a shooter discount for something that you probably already own. <laughs> and so, yeah, it, it's really just enjoying what you shoot. And if you want to represent them, then you'll get a discount on, you know, something that you need to purchase to replace it. Or maybe you'll get another one, but you're going to have you're going to know what's coming out, you know, or maybe you'll be able to get the first um shipment of a brand new product or they might send something to you to try ahead of time um so there's benefits in that but for the most part you know you just get to represent you know a company that you believe in and um be part of their of their you know staff and and um just represent something that you truly enjoy shooting so um i think people just kind of have a different view of what a, a sponsor is, you know, until you're in the professional division, you know, and actually right. collecting a paycheck from them. Um, us amateurs, it isn't as prestigious, I think, as a lot of people think it is. Yeah, I know when I had my store, my my staff shooters, they, they could get a bow every year at cheaper than what I could get them for. They were less than wholesale. The shooters mm -hmm. got a, a better price than I could get them for it. Um, now there wasn't much markup in your bows anyway, but right. they were expected to have the latest bow. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so um, when I was doing a PSE, they changed their main line every other year. So you had two years to shoot that bow. And the thought behind it is, okay, you buy the bow, you buy all your accessories, uh, all really good price. And then you shoot it for a year or two years. And then you you buy a new one and you sell the old one for almost what you paid for the new one. You know, after, you know, three or four bows, you're, you're pretty much shooting free bows because you've sold enough that you're paying for your new equipment. And, you know, but you're expected to bring traffic into the store. You know, exactly. you're out shooting and you're representing the store. You know, last time you'll have, you know, their shirts on. So you're representing the store and, you know, so you're marketing for the store. And, you know, when, when somebody sees, you know, you winning and, you know, you've got your Matthews t-shirt on and it's like, okay, that's advertising for the Matthews bow. Exactly. So whether you had to pay for it, you got a discount or, or whatever, you know, that is the bow that you represent. Um, I had a Matthews in the past until I become a PSC dealer. Uh, now I have PSC bows. Um, but you know, all the, all the top bow manufacturers, they all shoot good. Oh, for sure. I mean, the technology has gotten so, you know, good that the manufacturers are all producing wonderful things. Like I have, you know, good friends and family. They're super happy, um, you know, with whatever manufacturer they're shooting. And so, you know, you see all the top archers moving around with companies that they're super happy with. So, I mean, you've got great archers. They can pretty much shoot whatever, you know, you put in their hand, they're going to be able to make it work for themselves. They know yeah. what they need to do to make any of these top of the line bows work for them. Um, you know, I just happen to be partial to Matthews. I like the way they look, you know, I like, the way <laughs> they I'm just partial to them. You know, they aren't, they aren't cutting me a big check because I'm not a professional archer. So, you know, I get right now I get to pick what I like looking at, you know, maybe <laughs> in the future, that'll be a little bit different, but you know, right now I get to pick what I like looking at. So it's one of those things, I, but you know, the professionals, they, they have to do what's right for them. Cause it's their, it's their job, you know, it's their right. Yeah. And I've so talked to a few of them. That's, that's their job. And if they're sick and can't go to shoots, their income goes to zero because exactly. they're not getting paid unless they win at the tournaments. And, exactly. you, you, you know, know right and some now, people may catch fun. You know, oh, so yeah. I get to just represent what I like. And so I get to just pick what I like. But, you know, if it becomes my full-time job, that that would be a different situation. But it's not. It's my fun gig. Yeah, it's uh, it can be a lot of fun, you know, just trying different things out. And, and of course, I, I like to just kind of stay, you know, I don't like to do a lot of changing. My hunting bow is a 2001 bow that I got when I I bought my store went down to PSE and at that time I was shooting the Matthews Q2 you know I I saved up and I got one of those and you know it set up perfectly the first time I shot it I shot it through paper back when you know everybody was thinking you have to shoot through paper shot a perfect hole first arrow perfect hole you know it's like great shooting bow and I go down to dealer school and part of the dealer school cost is you get a bow and and I said okay I'm shooting the Matthews Q2. Which one of these should I have that's going to be as good as this bow? And end up getting the um, uh, 2001 PSC Carrera. And I liked it even better. <laughs> that's still what I hunt with. And then I have another one that's a 2003 bow. 
that, that I got. It's a PSE. And, you know, they're they're there. I've changed a few things on them. Uh, on my second bow, I did put a drop away on it. Um, when, when I was working at Cabela's, we got returns in and I was able to get a bear. I don't remember which model it was. It's it's in a snow camel. And it, it knew it was selling for like $900 just for the plain bow. This has been, you know, probably five years ago or something like that. So it was a high-end bow. It still sits downstairs in my safe with new string. I had put new strings on it. I had to fix the, the string stop. I fixed all that, but I've never done anything with it. It's like, I like the other bows. And, well, and you know, it's like one of my, well, I think actually my first target bow, my husband's like, when are you going to shoot? When are you going to sell that? Like you haven't, you hardly, I'm like, I just like that bow. I just have always liked it. I go, I don't shoot it very often. I just really like it, but I, I'm partial to them. I just, I have a hard time letting them go. But it, it it's one of those things, but I don't know. Like I'm the new Matthews is coming out soon. It debuts, I think, mm, in just a couple of days, like the 16th or 17th of, or no, yeah. it's September, isn't it? Sep I should know. They just showed or they just debuted it at um the classic. I think Levi and um Dan McCarthy were shooting them. There was like five or six, you know, the pros that were shooting the new Matthews title bow that's coming out. It's going to be in a 36 and 38 length. And normally I'm like, oh, get it on order. I, I need, I got to get the new one. Oh, they're going and, back a little bit longer bows instead of getting shorter and shorter and shorter, making them harder and harder to shoot. Yeah. I mean, I got the phase four last year. That's what I've, I'm shooting. That's what I'm, that's my hunting setup. Um, and I love it. It's quiet. It's, it's an awesome bow, but I'm, I'm partially longer when my 36 is, is my favorite. I have the 38 G2. It's a super smooth bow. I use that for indoor, but, um, you know, I have the gen one 38. That's truly my favorite, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to rush right out and get that one. We'll see. I don't know. I can't remember if they can't remember if the, um, Launch date is August or if it's September. I think it might be September, September 16th or something, but it's coming out. I got to make a decision because I got to get it on order if I'm going to do it. But um, but yeah, all new technology and stuff. So we'll see. I've, I've been liking my current setup. So I don't know. You know, why change if you like it, right? Right. And that's the thing. Like I you know, you say you don't change a lot of things about them lately. I'd say in the last year or so, um, I used to change my setup a lot. I, I tweak it and tweak my sight tapes and tweak things here and there all season. And this year I didn't tweak much. I didn't need to, I didn't feel like I needed to. I felt like I put a lot of time into making sure that it was really accurate to begin with. Um, right. And I didn't feel like I needed to. I didn't have a lot of fluctuation. I didn't get down to any of the shoots this year and go, oh, I'm, you know, three yards off or five yards. I didn't have any of that. You know, I, I, I don't have a lot of fluctuation shooting gas bow strings. I don't have a lot of stretch. I don't get peep rotation. I don't get any of that stuff um, like I used to before I started shooting them and it's it's pretty much spot on. I mean, it was right there. And so um, 
I just didn't have much fluctuation and stuff. And so now I'm like, oh, do I really want to get a new bow? That takes a lot of work, like getting that all <laughs> up and doing that. But I, you know, like I said, I, I'm kind of crazy about my arrows. So I, I weigh every component and I match them all up. Like I weigh every single point and every single fletch and every single thing. And I am so specific about making sure that every single one of my arrows all matches to like within one grain difference of each other so when I make a new batch of arrows I have like new builds and I can tell you that new builds of arrows fly different so I'm kind of short on new builds right now and so I'll have to kind of play with my tape a little bit with new builds if I can't get them perfect but yeah I haven't had to mess with things so now looking at like a whole new bow is going to take quite a quite a bit of work for the new season so that may make a decision as to whether or not I look at those things but that's why I love the sport because that's how my mind works you know it feeds different things for different people I'm that type a personality that I I can literally do that with my arrows and it drives my husband nuts but you know for me I'm like that's okay you just leave me alone I've got my coffee and three hours of making the perfect beautiful dozen set of brand new arrows for this weekend shoot you know kind of thing so it's cool it, it, it's funny you'd say that because back when we were shooting aluminum arrows uh, I took a dozen arrows I was shooting the double x 78s they're they're one and a half thousand straightness which carbons now is one uh, which is all I'll shoot but uh, uh, I I fletched them because I use I use four inch feathers so I fletched them had the knock insert in there and the knock on it and then I weighed the arrow. No insert, no tip. I wrote on the shaft how much it weighed in grains. I got on a grain scale. So I got a pretty accurate weighing of it. And then I took and, and I wrote all those down and then I weighed all my tips. Because when you get a bag of 100 tips, they're, they oh, can they vary can anywhere from <laughs> 95 to 105, you know, for 100 grain tip. So I'd go through and I'd weigh and I'd find all those. I'd match them all up. And then I got down. I was even filing the back of the insert. You know, there's an extra piece on the back. You don't really need it. So I'm filing the back of the insert. I got the whole dozen arrows within a half a grain. Perfect. Could I tell the difference in my shooting? No. <laughs> well, that's the other side of it. My husband's always like, I can't tell the difference in my shooting. I go, yeah, but I can. So it makes the difference for me. He's like, well, I can't. <laughs> well. My thought was if the arrows weigh the same, then they're going to have the same drop. They're going to leave the bow at the same speed, same speed, same weight, same drop. It's going to put them in the same hole every time as long as I can do my part the same. And, you know, when you're hunting at 20 yards or less, you can be off by an inch and it's no big deal. But, uh, you know, back with aluminums, you know, those, you know, the shooters now don't have to worry about this as much with the carbons. but I would group, you know, I can put them in the X X ring con fairly consistently, but then by the time I'm about ready to get new arrows, I'm struggling to keep them in the, in, just in the white ring, not just the X, but in the white mm -hmm. and, you know, on the five spot and then get new arrows, boom, tighten right up again. And, and the problem with aluminums is how do you break a piece of aluminum? You bend it, keep bending it and it'll break. So as you shoot, 
anybody hasn't watched a slow motion video of an arrow, that arrow is just, yeah, like you're doing. <laughs> yeah, it's just wobbling all over the place because it can't be stiff, you know, so it's flexing. And on aluminum, when you flex aluminum, now that one, one and a half thousandths tolerance, every time you shoot it, it goes down. You know, the number goes up. So now you might be 1.55, 1.6, you know, uh, it's, it's going up, you know, so instead of going down in tolerance, now next thing you know, you got a 2,000, a 5,000, or even a, a 10,000 straightness. And exactly. then you have to worry about it being bent. Rolling the controllables. So if you can get it as close in weight as you can, you've now controlled one more variable that you didn't, <laughs> you have control over in my mind. Like if you can control one more variable that you didn't have control <laughs> over before, then it's one little bit closer. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of funny. You said how you, how you signed them up so they're all consistent. And, you know, that was a lot of work. Um, you know, so, somebody said, well, can you do it for me? I'm going to charge you more yeah. for the work than he is for the arrows. You know, you I talked about that <laughs> with somebody. They're like, well, I mean, don't you go into the bow shop and get this stuff done? I go, absolutely not. I don't know a single bow shop that does what I do for my setup. I don't, I don't know a nope. single one. And they're like, what? well, I don't understand. I said, well, I learned, you know, and I know a lot of great bow shops. I mean, you know, gold star is amazing. Uh, you know, there's um, shoe packs and Jackson near us. There's great bow shops all around us and bow shops with great bow techs. And, and they do that. But when we're talking about custom target setup, when we're talking about getting you to, to the next level with a custom target setup, you have to do your own work or you're going to pay a million dollars for it because oh, yeah. the, the custom time-consuming effort that it takes, you could never pay a qualified Bowtech to do because it, it it's the tedious little tweaking and, and manip, you know, manipulation of things until it's just right. I have gone out in the barn and had my husband work on something for me until 3 a.m. until it yeah. feels just right. Like I can't have a bow tech, you know, at the local shop do that for me. I can't no. be like, mm, no, I still hear it. No, I, no, I feel it. There's just a little, mm, there's just a tiny little pull to the left, just a tiny little bit. Just yeah, mm. <laughs> like, I don't get to do that, you know, whereas no. at home, you know, we finally learned over the last couple of years, like I teased my husband, I feel like every tournament we came home from, we'd have something fail or something break or something go wrong or something that either we put a new piece of equipment in our tool bag or we had to come home and YouTube it, learn from somebody we knew, go to the shop and ask or, you know, a new piece of equipment. And it took us about a year and a half to get basic skills. <laughs> and then, yeah. you know, probably another year and a half to get medium skills. And now we're finally getting into the fine tuning of, you know, the little in and outs of things. And we'll never learn everything. As you know, it's, you're, you never stop learning. Um, and so 
just getting into some of those in, those ins and outs of that stuff, but it, you have to learn how to do those things on your own. You just have to, because you're just never going to be able to go to a shop and learn those things. You know, you have to be able to, to shoot your bow and feel it and, and see it and learn how to make the adjustments so that you can yeah. get the tune on it and, and know that, Oh, huh. My arrow's doing that. Maybe I better learn, you know, turn the knock and see if it flies a little different, you know, to the right or, huh, that is arrow number six. And it has been shooting slightly high left. And maybe if I turn it a quarter turn to the you know right, let's see if it starts hitting back where it should. And maybe something's breaking down in it or, you know, whatever. And, you know, if you don't pay attention to the little things, it's really easy to get caught up in it and just start blaming, you know, things that yeah. have nothing to do with little tweaks that can just be made. Well, and when you go to a shop, you get a dozen arrows to reflect on 12 different jigs. Yep. <laughs> Set up close, but not exactly the same. Sometimes by uh, three different people on lunch breaks. Yeah, it could be. Uh, <laughs> but uh, um, I know when I had my store, I had eight bits and burgers, and then I had 12 of the little plastic BPEs, and I had a Jojan that did six. Those were straight, or I could do a little bit of an offset. Well, the other ones I could do helical on them, uh, on, on the BPEs, but the bits and burgers, I had the straight fletch as well. And then I can fletch it with the, the cock feather uh, down or out, so I had both receivers. But you're getting it fletched on 12 different jigs that are set up 12 different ways. A shop's not going to use one jig to do a whole dozen arrows, and it, they're, they're not going to time. And, and, you know, before hunting season, uh, all my all my jigs were full. Oh, yeah, nonstop. Sure. You're, you're putting them on and you're fletching them because I I stock no no fletched arrows. I 100. You pick the fletching you want and the colors you want, which is you know, pretty you, awesome. So I just stocked all all the the you know three and four inch veins and four and five inch feathers. Because I had traditional guys that like the five inch feathers. And me being being from the 60s, I shoot feathers. I still shoot feathers. And, and no, I found a lot my, my of ki feathers my kids shoot this year. Uh, well, and there's a couple different things that, you know, between feathers and veins. Uh, one thing, you know, the traditional guys, feathers are, are still the best way to go because they fold out of the way easier. But there is some veins now that's designed for you know, shooting off recurves and stuff, but your vein has less resistance and a little bit lighter or a little bit heavier, I think, for the same, you know, both four inch. Now the, the feather has more resistance, more drag, but it's lighter. So initially off the bow, you're faster with a feather, but it has more drag. At a certain point, your veins are going to maintain their speed longer because there's less drag. And your feather's going to slow down. And uh, PSE did a little research on, uh, you know, whether offset or helical or, or which one was better for stabilizing. And, and, and they found the more spin you put on them, at some point, once the circular velocity exceeds the forward velocity, it's kind of like a parachute, they just drop. So the more spin they put on it, the quicker it would drop because the faster it's spinning. And, and so just an offset will stabilize your broadhead just well as a real hard helical. Now, the carbon arrows, you can't get much 
much of a helical on them because they're just not real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's some of the things that you learn in different things. And, uh, you know, we talked earlier about, you know, making a shot, taking a shot you can, you can make and be comfortable making it. Well, they said down there at the PLS, PSE school, they had a group of people and they were, they were teaching just guys and ladies and, you know, a mix of different archers. And they had this bionic deer sitting out there. Basically, a steel plate with the vitals cut out. You know, for those that don't know what a bionic <laughs> deer is, yeah, a different place called them something different, but it's a steel plate with the vitals cut out. And I went to the first one, how far do you think you can sh shoot this? You know, getting the point across that, okay, uh, I can shoot it from here. Clink, destroy the uh -huh. arrow. Next ice, well, a little bit closer, a little bit closer. All the guys tried to take a long shot. So I can make that shot. They all destroy their arrow. Uh, one of the ladies in there says, I think I feel comfortable about 20 yards. Went up to 20 yards and she nailed it mm -hmm. because she knew what she could do and shot it. You know, sometimes guys do that, sometimes not. But um, it, and all the teaching I've done, the ladies are the best students. Well, you know, I think that there's an element of, how do I say this? We aren't as afraid to look weak amongst our friends. <laughs> if I, I don't know if that's the right way to say it or not. Like when I go, you know, I'm volunteering for the weekend, you know, it's part of, of being part of a bow shop. You know, I got to go and put my time in. Right. And it always cracks me up because we have guys come in and one, they think I know nothing, you know, when they see me, because they're like, oh, I need one of the guys to help me. And I'm like, that's fine. I'll find you a guy, but they're busy. You know, I'm available. And I'm more than, I'm more than capable to help you with basics, you know, with the bow, trust me. But they are always like, well, you know, I go, well, what are you shooting now? Or what are you comfortable pulling back? Or, you know, do you have any idea what draw weight you're looking for or whatever? And they're like, well, 70, 80 pounds. And I'm looking at them and like, there's no way, there's no way. <laughs> no way. And even like my, you know, older daughter, she's in her twenties, you know, her friends will come over and they'll want to shoot with us. And I'm like, well, have you ever shot a bow? And I'll go, well, no. Okay. Well, well, what draw weight are you comfortable? You know, do you think you should, well, I don't know. I mean, what, what's, you know, comfortable. I go, well, average, you know, draw weight of a bow is 40 to 70 pounds, you know, but if you've never pulled a bow back, you need probably 40, 40, 50 pounds is going to be the, mo the most you're going to be able to pull back. And they're just sky drawing and trying to pull back and they're trying. And it's like, will you please stop? You know, and they're just trying to look macho. And I think that's part of that. Like it, there's nothing wrong with stepping up to a target confidently at 35 yards and be like, I'm going to nail that. You don't have to step back at 70 yards and nail it. If you cannot do that, isn't it more embarrassing to be stepping at 70 yards and go clink and bust your arrow in three pieces than to step <laughs> at 40 and nail it? Like, I just think that that is much more, I don't know, I, prestigious to, to nail it at 30 or 40 yards than it is to step back at 60 or 70 and bust your arrow in three pieces. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I guess no, I, I'm just it, more real, I guess, when it comes to that. 
I think it's much cooler to see you nail it, what you're comfortable shooting than it is for you to think you got a pair of kahunas and can step back there at 80 and just like bust it in nine pieces. <laughs> well, and, and when you look at what are the draw weight, a lot of your indoor archers, even the guys are shooting. Yeah, they might be shooting 40 pounds. Yards. Yeah, <laughs> 20 yards. But they don't care if it lobs way up and down into it as long as it's consistent. And, exactly. and and that that's one of the things that you know fortunately in the arch talk one on facebook group we have people that want to be in there to learn you know so we don't have a lot of those in there that say well i'm doing it right you can't teach me anything um but outside of that you know i've seen that in a lot of places where um lots of times i can size up whether a guy is going to take advice or not by the time i talk to him for about 30 seconds you can just tell the attitude. And, mm -hmm. and out of all the people I've had, I had one lady that had that attitude out of all the hundreds of people I've taught. They're like, okay, we're done. I'm not going to waste my time, you know? And, and that's one of the things, you know, when, when I'm going to coach a student, it's like, uh, are you open to be coachable? Oh, it's huge. If it's you're not. Huge. And then another question is, are you willing to put in the work? If you're not willing to put in the work, I can't help you. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Go on and do something different. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of people out here that want to learn. And, and, you know, if you're willing to learn, you know, we're all going to help you. you oh, know, that's, sure. that's the fun part. That's yeah. the best part about it. Like coaching these kids on their S3DA team, you know, we did a huge um, mental management program for the entire indoor season. Um, not this past season, but the year before. And um, I led that with them and it, it was really cool and and uh, about half the kids took it really serious and the other half you know it was just like oh should we keep doing this you know and half of them were like yes I got so much out of it but you know the half that didn't pay attention and didn't write down their process and didn't do those things that just kind of made it disheartened you because you're like you don't understand how important this is and and when you're out on the range and you're crying in your pillow and you're going back to the hotel and you're whining and crying and you know you're not understanding when you're showing up to the tournament and not shooting perfect 300s when you've never even shot a 250 which I still don't understand how you're upset with yourself going to a national tournament <laughs> when you've never shot one in practice um it, it's like you have to be open you have to be open to learning you have to be open to hearing and absorbing and then putting it to practice this right whole, yeah uh-huh yeah uh-huh uh-huh <laughs> oh yeah I'll try that okay and then just going back to whatever you were like doing before is not it but actually going back like my husband's funny when he works with the coach that we work with, um, he'll actually tell him like one of the things that he's really working on is dropping his, his front shoulder. He has a real hard time relaxing his front shoulder. Oh. <laughs> and he just naturally is really tense in his front shoulder. And he wants to work on it more than our coach thinks it's a problem. And so he's been trying to tell him, like, I just, I really want to relax that and really drop that into it. And so coach has given him a couple of things to work on. He's trying to relax it. 
And so he'll look him right in the eye and he'll go, I'm coach. I'm really trying to do what you're saying. And I know it doesn't look like I'm doing it, but I am really trying to apply what you've told me to do. I I don't want you thinking I'm ignoring you. And he's like, I got it, Todd. I got, I I get that you're really trying. Because he's like, I don't want you thinking that I'm not doing what you told me to do. It's just for some reason, the stupid shoulder will not do it <laughs> kind of thing. Because you do. I mean, you give you give so much of yourself when you're trying to help someone. And then when they don't take, you know, the information and, and actually try um, what you're giving, it, it's hard. It's hard to keep giving of yourself. Um, and yet at the same time, it's also not good for new um, archers to be trying to get information from 97 sources either. Oh, yeah. So it, that's the other side of it. So I, I've learned to finally step back a little bit. And and when somebody seeks help from me um, to just start asking them, like, you know, where have you reached out to recently for help in this? You know, who have you spoken to? Are you working with somebody right now? You know, one, I don't want to step on anybody else's toes. Um, right. And two, I want to make sure that if you are reaching out to me for personal advice, um, that, you know, if I'm going to give you, you know, my one-on-one, -on -one, you know, attention that I understand the expectation that you have for me, like either you're looking for some real advice from me, or you're looking for some passing advice from me, like just, are you looking for just like general information? Or are you looking for me to give you some, some real direction here? Cause I also don't want somebody to ask you know, for some past, some real direction and have me pass them off either. Um, cause right. I would hate to, to disappoint someone too. So, cause it's hard, you know, I, I've had people, you know, come to me and I thought that they were coming to me on a regular basis. And, and, you know, I, we make out a map of like our plan for getting through, you know, a whole series of things. And then I find out they went and talked to 9,000 people and, and I mean, you know, as well as I do, there's so many right ways to do things, but they're right. all very different. And so you can actually end up hurting yourself more by working with nine, you know, different people on the same problem or same issue um, than trying to work with one person or, or a couple, you know, people on something versus, you know, trying to trying to have so many sources to fix something. Well, and, and lots of times too, you know, if you find out they have a coach, then I'm not going to teach them the way I teach it. I'm going to actually just ask them questions. Okay. What did your coach tell you to do? Exactly. So now that I'm going to reinforce what the coach told them to do, you know, it may not be the way I do it. Um, I know like um, a couple weekends ago, I helped that Nebraska has a women in the outdoors event where the ladies come out and they shoot a bow, they shoot a gun, they shoot a shotgun, they go kayaking. Um, I think there's all kinds of stuff in the outdoors and they teach an open stance. So instead of being straight off to the side, which is I teach, they teach a bit more open. Now shooting the Genesis bows, if you shoot the way I tell you to shoot and you're too long, you're going to smack your arm 100% of the time you're going to hit your arm. 
So they teach in, and I know why they teach in, because this is brand new. Drawing's going to be too long. Get that arm out of the way because a new shooter's never shot. Hits their arm, they're done. So you kind of need to know where they're coming from too. You know, if they, if someone mm -hmm. like that, okay, I can help you in that, doing that type of a stance, because I know that's what we've got to teach for that. And, you know, the one is like, yeah, I take, I teach, you know, toes pointing right straight to it. They teach moving them back. So you'll be an open stance because it gets that arm out of the way. You know, the way I teach it, if you don't hold the bow, right, you're hitting your arm. If you put your arm out too far, you're hitting your arm. So there's too many things that, I have to get correct before you can even do in that. And Absolutely. I teach, I teach completely side, pushing straight to your target. The arm should go straight to your target. Your pose, toes should line up to the target. But I'm also using going through the hand so the hand's not straight. It's turned off to the side, so it goes through here. Like I make the kids draw a line. I'm like, draw a line. Yeah. Put it right on the bow. Stop. <laughs> and, and you know when I'm teaching, you know the little bit older ones, the last one had any martial arts experience. And if they say no, then I go on. But if they do yes, I say, okay, you know what heel palm strike is? Yeah. Okay. That's where we're pushing our bow with because that is strike this part right here, nice. not up here, not over here, not over here, because it makes your hand turn and and right here. Yeah. And you're tweaking. And then some people will say, well, um, curl these fingers in and put them on the side. How much pressure are you putting on the bow? That does force your hand to be in the correct position, but now you've got pressure on the boat. Any pressure on the boat changes. Can you be 100% consistent? No. Pressure here, all the way you can do it. And I've shown some, it's like, okay, you're going to push that, hold your arm out. I push on this part of the arm. Where do you feel it? All the way through your back, clear to the other shoulder when you push on that part. Now I'm going to push off the side. Where do you feel it? Well, on the wrist. Where, where do you want the force to go? All the way through your body. And, you know, some of the things I learned from, you know, doing martial arts for yeah. some years, you know, I because like I was doing that before I, I learned how to do back tension release. Mm -hmm. So I'm just, I'm incorporating everything I learned uh, from doing Hapkido is what I did. It was a lot of joint locks, arm bars, throws, pressure points and all that kind of stuff. And then I put this, the punching knuckle, one of the two punching knuckles the, on the index finger right at that joint, you put that, there's a pressure point behind behind your jaw, below your ear. There's a pressure point that is, it can be very painful as long as you're stimulating it. If you're not stimulating, it doesn't. Put that knuckle right back there, bone on bone. That's the most solid way you can do. Now you're solid all the way through. And yeah, that's just the way I teach it. And that's what works good best for me. That's mm -hmm. how I teach it. But I go through and explain why I'm doing it. You know, like it is. Here's how, here's why you want to push there. Here's why you want to do this. And if I explain why, now a lot of people understand why they want to do that. And then once we go through all that, we're going to mix it up because your body, my body, everybody else's body is not the same, don't work the same. You know, right. like your husband, he has a problem with the shoulder going up. Well, that could be a lot of different things. Um, now, if he is for raising it up, he's going to have shoulder problems, mm -hmm. guaranteed. In a few years, I don't know how many, but you will have shoulder problems. A lot of old archers have shoulder problems because they used to straighten that arm as far as they can out there and raise that shoulder up, shoulder problems. I actually had a physical therapy on, on the podcast, oh, it's probably been a little over a year ago anyway. Um, we talked about that, how to recover from that. And 
you know, I have a lot of different people on here. In fact, I had, uh, was it uh, Benjamin Summers on here a week ago? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, true ball. You probably know him. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I had him on a week ago. I think it just, um, uh, well, you'll be able to look in the, in the group, but it just published um, uh, here on, when was that? The seventh of this month, a week ago is when it come out on the podcast. Now, the podcast come out on Mondays and Fridays. Uh, on like on Spotify, you can also get them on Audible. They're free to listen to on Audible, and, and then on my YouTube channel on Mondays and um, Saturdays, and then on the Archstock101.com site, you can get them there. But I don't consistently post them out every every time. Uh, I'll go out and I'll catch up a few of them and um, go from there. Say, but, I think I listened to a few of them on Spotify when we yeah. were traveling. So. Yeah, we get all kinds of different conversations, you know, where from, you know, like your daughter, you know, mm -hmm. I'm glad to get her on here one time, your husband, you yeah. know, not on here. Um, I, I did interview a, a young lady quite a while ago now from Canada, and and she was on interesting, and her dad was there, and we got him on the podcast too. Um, you know, when you have a, I, she was like 14, you know, dad's going to stay there and see what's on the podcast. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, make sure it's all up and up. I could hear him in the background. We invited him on, and and she has that that mental attitude that we were talking about earlier. You know, she's got that attitude. I know we'll we'll see her in the Olympics one of these days, mm -hmm. um, probably pretty soon, because she just got that in there. And you know, that's the nice thing about archery is you, you don't have to have any physical skills. Mm -hmm. You know that it is. It's so much mental. You know, it's it's definitely. It's definitely a challenge, you know, and, but that's, that's, what's cool about it, you know, and, and that's been our biggest, our biggest challenge this year. We set out, um, Claire was in, uh, Eagle open girls this year. Um, it was her last year in it for ASA. Um, and so we knew that this was, you know, her top year, you know, for it, she was, yeah. you know, seated to, to really kind of dominate that, um, and so we're like, this is your best opportunity to just really show what you got in it. Um, she was able to secure, you know, winning all six of them. Um, and there were some girls that were really bringing it and challenged her all year long. And they were shooting really good. And there were two or three girls that were just right there with her. And they just pushed her all season. And um, one of them was able to... Um, beat her at S3DA nationals um, by quite a margin. So mm -hmm. mentally that really, you know, put a fire in her belly. <laughs> she came back and she's like, whoa, that can't happen again. You know, that's not going to happen again. And I said, well, you got two weeks, kid. So uh, <laughs> yeah. if you don't want to feel that again. I guess you better get that fixed up. And so, you know, she went back to the next ASA and, and took care of business. And then um, the other girl um, was shooting really well uh, at Outdoor Target Nationals. Let me think. Yeah, it was outdoor. It was S3DA Outdoor Target Nationals. They went head to head. Claire was leading going into, um, I think, elimination or yeah, leading going into elimination. She was the first seed. Um, but lost in the first head-to-head -head match against that girl. 
Oh, and okay. um, so she, you know, had her win against her uh, there and then was able to come back to the classic and they were head to head down to the last three targets. And so Claire was able to still take the domination in ASA, but both of those girls were able to get her at S3DA. And so um, it, talk about a mental roller coaster this year. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ooh, so it was, it was crazy. Um, so she was able to get shooter of the year and um, they do a joint ASA S3DA uh, shooter of the year. So she was able to do that too. So, you know, she really killed it this year, but um, seeing her progression from the beginning of the season uh, mentally where she was at to the end of the season um, was pretty, was pretty awesome. Um, and so now we're looking at a, a different division. Uh, she knows it's going to be absolutely brutal. Uh, that youth division is absolutely brutal. Those girls can shoot like lights out. Um, and she can too, it's in her, but uh, she's going to have to go into it with a mental toughness like she's never had before. Um, so as you know, her coach and, and parent that I just want to, you know, protect her, but <laughs> also kind of push her out into that, like, just to see her grow. Um, I know what she's going to have to go through uh, to see that. And, you know, we've got some things coming up where it's like, if she's going to make it through this next season with what she needs to do, she's going to have to put some serious mental management work together to make it. Yeah. Um, otherwise we won't, we won't travel like we did this year, um, because she won't make it through unless she puts some serious work into the mental management side of it. Um, I think we had, well, oh, we bought our truck a year and a half ago. It's got 79,000 miles on it. So <laughs> I can't even traveling. tell you how many Stops were along that trail this year, um, but it was it was serious. When we laid it all out, I was like, I don't even know if this is possible. But um, you know, we're just going to kind of see where it goes. But the mental management side of it will will it'll dictate where it goes. Um, yeah. You know, she's twelve, so it's a pretty it's a pretty tender age to to see how tough that'll be. Um, because she's as critical of herself as I am. So <laughs> that's, that's going to be the tough side of it is to see how she bears through it. If she can come out the other side and go, okay, well, that's how that, that worked. Like at IBO world, she was leading, um, qualifications by five points going into the 10 target shoot down. Um, there has not been a female cub um win world since Carter Carr Kelly in 1997 at IBO Worlds. So that was a lot of pressure. Um yeah. and everybody was like, go girl, like that is so awesome. How cool would it be? And we're like, shh, like <laughs> how stop. There's 10 targets to go. So many things can happen in 10 targets. Yeah, don't. <laughs> Like, so, like the Kenny Rogers song, there's there's time to count the money when the dealing's done. Yeah. Don't, don't look at your score. 
Yeah, she didn't have a five-point lead. She had a four-point lead. I think the young man behind her was like 421, and she was a 425. And she stepped up to the first target and um, overjudged it and shot an eight high. And so then there was one point lead. The young man was light, shooting lights out. And so when it was all said and done, the young man had a five-point lead on her. Oh. And uh, she took second. And so... Um, she was not happy and she was very upset, um, but she was a good sport. She congratulated him and, you know, she's like, can we go now? I'm like, absolutely not. You represent <laughs> a lot of companies that are expecting you to smile very pretty on that podium. And you are going to shake that young man's hand because he shot amazing. You know, he came back. I go, you, you know, your judging was not on point today. Three days is no joke. Those courses were very hard and you shot very well. So suck it up, buttercup. You can cry on the way home. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's go. And so, you know, well, you know learned, it's, how, it's hard. You know, what would be like if you won and he's come in second? You know, right. he, he would, you know, congratulate your win. You congratulated him on his win and even on the third place. You know, there probably Absolutely. wasn't too many points between first, second, and third. Yeah, it wasn't. And I mean, you know, that was rough. It was definitely rough. You know, she had been leading for two days. They were tied the first day, but she had him in X count. The second day she was leading by four points, which if she had just shot clean and had no eights, <laughs> she would have won. But um, he was pounding and she shot eight. And you can't, the, them boys were vicious. They were, they were shooting real good. And so, you know, she just made a couple of judging mistakes and and it's all it took. And so I said, you made mistakes and he didn't, and, and he deserved it. He shot good. I don't know what to tell yeah. you. You know, I go, you know what, you know what you got, but I said, you've got one more year in this division. So she's lucky. She's got one more year. And um, she'll come back swinging next year. I go, you got one more year to try and match Cara Kelly. I mean, how cool is that? I go, not yeah. everybody gets a second chance, you know? I'm you like, that how close. cool is that? Well, you know, just a matter so, of a few points coming in second by a few points, by, by one bad arrow. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm super proud of you. Like, how cool is that? More, it, it's, it's amazing. Because, yeah. But it's a hard division. Um, you know, we learned a lot about the IBO and their process of, you know, handling situations and and what to expect in those things. And so, you know, we'll we'll be more prepared next year. And so it'll be fun. But yeah, it was definitely it was a lot. And we came from Cullman, Alabama, you know, had one day in between <laughs> and came in and shot that. I mean, we're just tired, you know. And now we're back to work in school. So I'm a teacher. So I went back today and got my classroom somewhat back together. And then tomorrow starts everything up and kids come back next week. Claire goes back to school and then we start our indoor game. So yeah, it'll be it'll be pretty interesting to to get it going. My husband goes, Well, you're not taking an off season. There is no off season. And I know I won't treat it like last year. Last year, I took all my bows apart and put fresh strings on everything all at the same time. I will not do that again. <laughs> no, I, 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 my, my two bows have new strings on them. I got to get finished getting set up and, and 
Oh. Yeah, you always got to have one bow. I was so stupid. I could not believe I did that. I ordered fresh new strings for every one of my setups of the classic. They came and I literally spent one night and put new strings on every single thing in one night thinking I had all this time, you know, I'm like, oh, it's the off season. And then realized that I didn't have a single setup that was ready to go for 3D, not a single one. (laughs) (laughs) Like I can put something together for indoor pretty quickly, target setup pretty quickly. I cannot just throw something together. So in came Foley like a hurricane. That was not good. That was not (laughs) good at all. (laughs) But yep, it'll be, I'm not making that mistake again. So that it's good, but it should be a good, good season. Good, good time to go. It'd be fun. Yeah, it'd be good. I, I make my own strings, so I, I wouldn't do it for all of them at once, but I, I had, I had made one from a hunting bow and never finished getting it set up because everything got in a way. And then I had my other one. I needed to make strings for that. So I started using it as, uh, as, you know, videos and show how to do stuff. And then I just never completed that one. Like, <laughs> and then the bow I got, uh, the bear uh, that I have, I've got a new string on it and a, the stabilizer that a string dampener that was messed up. I got that fixed. I've never mounted anything else onto it. That's as far as I went with that bow too. And it's like, I got three bows. I got none of them. I can't none of them set up. That's and I'm so not going to grab my recurve. <laughs> it, it's set up for bow fish. And I, I don't hunt with that one. And I just don't want to take the time it takes to learn uh, the recurve good good enough to hunt with it. I know Todd and Claire just got recurves this past, I think, I don't know, five, six months ago. They were like, how fun would that be to just to have some? Claire's like, I think that would be a lot of fun. And S3DA is toying around with requiring that their team competitions include um, recurves and their team doesn't have anybody that competes in those divisions. And so um, Claire's like, well, maybe I'll just venture onto that side of things. And so she got one and I'll be darned that kid can step up there and just hit the dang target every single time. <laughs> you know, it's like, how do you do that? It's like her with her judging game, you know, even with IBO, I was sitting there telling, you know, some friends afterwards, I go, she just has this natural ability to judge yardage that I just wish I had taken advantage of you know, when I knew it, but I've been browbeating her for years, you know, when she was two, three years ago, she'd step up to shoot a target and I'd go, you need to range that, but she wouldn't range. She just set a target for what she thought it was. And you know, she shoots known distance mostly. And I go, your competition is using a range finder. You are at a disadvantage if you are not using your range finder. She go, mom, I know how far it is. You know, she'd be like, it's 24 and a half yards. And I'm like, no, use your range finder. And I, you know, get after and I pull out my range. I'm like, it's 24 and a half yards. And I'm like, oh my gosh, kid, you drive me nuts. And I would just get after her all the time. And Finally, you know, then we started doing things that were, you know, like the local IBO or things that were unknown. And now I'm like, don't you use your rangefinder if you don't have to, like you trust your gut, just shoot it. And if it's not right and you shoot low or you shoot high, then start looking for the mistake. Where'd you make your mistake? You know, what'd you not see? Where, where is it at? And I'll tell you what that kid is like. 
she just has this ability. I mean, if it's in, a, if it's around 30 yards, that kid can see it. And I wish I could see it like she does. It, she just has that ability. So it, it'll be really cool to see um, what she can do with it. But yeah, I wish I hadn't browbeat her for two or three years. It'd be really interesting <laughs> to see how far she <laughs> could be at this point if I hadn't been like, get your reach finder out. Your competition's using that cheat, you know, cheat box. Because yeah, I was like, oh. You just think back and go, oh, all those times that I made her click that thing. I didn't need to. She was so much better at it than I gave her credit for. Yeah, you can sit back with your rangefinder. Okay, how far is it? Yeah, okay. If the shooter, I'll tell you if he was right. And it's right. You know, she says a 24 and a half yard, you range it to 24 and a half yards. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, she is that, she is that on too. I mean, she's within half a yard anything in 30 yards and her like the IBO stuff it's not her range that's off it's her dropping her arm or maybe it's got a weird angle to it or something like her judging it's spot on like if you were to click her range finder it's on it's something it's inconsistent with something an angle or something goofy or maybe she or I mean we don't know the Reinhardt targets that's the other thing we own the ASA range so we shoot it all the time. We right. do not know those targets. So if we're first up on a Reinhardt target and we don't know it and we can't see it, you know, it, it, we're at a huge disadvantage on an IBO course. But, um, you know, an ASA animal, that's why she, you know, can do that. That's why I'm really hoping that they offer a judging class for the ASA for the youth because um, that would be really interesting to see what she can do with that. But yeah, I mean, these kids, their ability to see and, you know, have that that depth perception is so much better than we give them credit for. You know, yeah. if they could develop that at their age with their good eyes and their <laughs> ability to see <laughs> and and do that stuff and do that at a young age, like they would be unstoppable when they get to be, you know, an adult. Um, the fact that we're kind of keeping that from them, um, you know, in some of these, these scenarios is, is just holding them back because they're going to be, they're going to be absolutely unstoppable if we can give them some of those options. Let, so let them, let them go thing. with what they're good at and what they're not good at, help them learn it more. And, you know, it's amazing, you know, kids can learn, uh, stuff easier than we can. You know, like you, you, you hear stories, a, a kid growing up in a, somebody with mixed languages where like the grandparents speak one language, but then the parents speak, you know, English or whatever the second language is. And the kid just talks to the parent one language, talk to the grandparents in the other language. It's like nothing. You know, Absolutely. it's like, I have enough trouble just figuring out some of the words in some of the other languages, you know, that, that I know, you know, I, I can't speak anything, you know, real good except English. You know, so true. It's so true. They just pick up on stuff so much easier. Yep, it gets harder and harder the older you get. So yeah, the the more they can get into it, I think the better it'll be. Yeah, I, I know. I was used to judge yardage, you know, just judging yardage. And I started off when I started hunting. I had a a, a thirty foot long rope, ten yards, and, and I'd I'd hook it on a, a peg on the tree, go out 
Okay, there's 10 yards. I put a marker there. Take and go the street. Okay, there's 20. You know, like in a field, it's I didn't know where that. And then once I figured out how to judge yardage, now then I judge yardage, you know, you know, on straight. Uh, the, the hard part is when you're up on a hill, judge yardage to the target because the target looks like it's further than what it is because oh, it yeah. is further, but you don't shoot it for further because you have to shoot it for the horizontal distance. And, and that's where you're judging yardage up and down hill. It can really mess people up. And well, it, it wasn't until... Yeah, it was, I think it was two years ago. I got my first rangefinder. <laughs> That's yeah. good. I wish that so, I'd started without that. You know, like I was talking with a couple of people this weekend. I go, I started with an open setup because, you know, I mean, when I went and got my first bow, like I knew I wanted something quality. And I actually just got lucky because um, we were calling around and I couldn't hardly pull anything back. And I knew I wanted a quality bow. And so I ended up with um, a Matthews Halon. Uh, and it ended up being a special order from an older gentleman um, that had ordered a 40 pound Halon um, that he had set up for, for hunting. And so I we drove up to Edmore. And so I started with that bow. And I was just lucky that I just happened upon that. And not many bow shops will sell, you know, used bows like that anyways. And so I started with an open setup. I didn't even really realize that you could compete with hunting setups. And so I started in a 40 yard class. I didn't even realize you could start in a pins 30 class with just <laughs> no lenses and, you know, just pins. And so I feel like, like I, you know, and now I can't go back because then, you know, I got really competitive with it really fast. And so, oh, well, yeah. you're too good. You can't go back now. So I feel like I got cheated out of the fun I could have had, you know, in the pins classes. So I've kind of played around with it in the IBO a little bit, but the IBO in the terrain and the steep, you know, hills and the judging challenges there. Oh, that's a whole new ball game. Um, yeah, it is. About, oh, the judging and the stuff. And I was talking with the girls and I said, you know, I was joking about the fact that I would only ever do hunter, hunter class in IBO because, you know, my open setup for ASA, I, I got 30 inch front bar and two, you know, 12. I, I think I even got 15 back bars on some of my other ones. I'm not hauling that through an IBO range. Like no. there's no way. I mean, worlds last year trying to haul that contraption up the ski lift was like an absolute joke. Like that, I, the thought that I would even take that with me, like <laughs> out on those ranges when you've got to hand things down on the side of a mountain cliff was a total joke. And so I go, why on earth would I shoot an open setup in an, in an IBO range? And they're like, you do know that the open ranges aren't quite as bad as the hunter class ranges, right? And I'm like, what? All this time I thought IBO ranges were all like, we had to be mountain goats up the side of the hills and doing all of this stuff. And she goes, no, no, no. They make the youth in the hunter classes like pretty much be billy goats. And the rest of them have a little bit like more, <laughs> more ranges where you can get those big 
open setups, you know, through some of that stuff, I go, oh, okay, well, maybe I'll look into that a little differently the next time that I want to do that. But I was like, that's good to know, because I am still not hauling this whole rig out there through an IBO setup, because this is not, these ranges are a whole lot different than ASA ranges, that's for sure. Although um, this, I think it's, you say it, Kakapin uh, Resort, the, they had paths that were through it that were pretty well maintained. I was like, huh, you know, they still made you go over the river and through the woods a little bit, but not near like a normal situation. So there were crazy bees. Um, in fact, a couple of the pros got stung really badly. Um, one had to be transported off and couldn't return to the range, but um, for the most part, they were actually pretty mild <laughs> compared to what they've been in the past. But, you know, so I feel like I didn't get a chance to go from hunter to open to, you know, progress through the different types of equipment. Um, but yeah, so now we're like, oh, it would have been kind of fun to play with you know, maybe a, some of the recurves and, you know, do some of that stuff. And Claire's even played around like at IBO Worlds, they've got the Genesis class and they've got different teams with that. And so she's like, I'd shoot a Genesis. And one of the teams here in Michigan's like, well, we'd want you on our team. So, you know, you ever <laughs> want to pick up one of those, like you're welcome on our team kind of thing with center shot and stuff. So, um, yeah, there's just so many really cool things that you can do different types of equipment it'll be really interesting to see um you know where you go with that yeah just so so many options out there and it, it just it's a lot of fun and you know we've been talking almost two hours now <laughs> there's uh, so much <laughs> where, where, where where's the time go you know <laughs> i was like oh man we're almost two hours now for this but it's it's so much fun talking with you uh, and, you know, all the archers, you know, it's just such great stories and and, and it's just such a joy, you know, hearing all the different stories and, you know, how you got started and, you know, what your family's doing with it and you know, all that's just been so cool. Yeah, it's super fun. It's it's definitely, definitely a lifestyle. Like I said, it, we've got a whole a whole other family out there on the road that we didn't even know existed until some little girl was like, well, you don't start getting involved in this, you know, I'm out. Yeah. yeah. And thank her every day for, for getting no you started kidding. in it. <laughs> little did we know, little did we know. So, uh, sometimes sometimes the kids, <laughs> yeah, sometimes the kids just, uh, um, you know, they, they make you do stuff that you never thought you'd enjoy. And you enjoy it and that's always the fun part is when you you get into something that uh you end up having you know good passion for it and and enjoy doing it and something the whole family can do and i remember you know when my kids are younger going out to 3d shoots and yeah you know, i i didn't care where we come in you know i put them up close they should have five pound compound bows the only mm -hmm. five pounds and shooting the kind of the the points didn't really stick for it because they're like Go close enough that you can you can hit it. You know, the whole point was to hit it. And they got counted whether it stuck in it or not. Mm -hmm. you at least got the five points for hitting the animal. You just couldn't always yeah. tell where to hit. You know, you going out there and yeah, now that as they get older, you know, then then you get a little bit more bows and, and now that they can stick and you can actually count them. And uh, 
you know, now they're all grown. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. I mean, that's what it's all about. It's just, it's, it's cool to do. You know, it's funny because our older kids are like, I don't know if people even know that we're even around. That there's even three more of us out here. It's part of your family. <laughs> I don't know. That, I don't know if they do or not. I said, but you're all grown up and, you know, there's only one, you know, little one anymore. They're all in their 20s and almost 30 now. But, you know, I go, it's it's part of it. So, but it's just cool. It's just cool to be able to do it with them and you know, I really hope that, you know, by us doing what we do and getting the word out and, and showing people that, you know, you, you can do it and be as crazy as we are, or you can do it on as little and small of a scale as you want, but just do it, you know, just get out there and, and have fun with your family and, and, and do it, you know, together as, as, little or as crazy as it is, because um, it just brings people together. And, and at the end of the day, this, it would be a, an absolute shame to see the sport die. And unless kids start getting involved and, and keep growing this sport, you know, it will. And it, it would be an absolute shame because it brings so much joy to so many people. Um, you know, whether it's competing or hunting or doing whatever, you know, just working on your own thing. I know somebody um, shared with me at one of the local tournaments that they just went through a terrible scenario with their daughter. Um, you know, he was in absolute tears telling us what had happened to his daughter. And he said shooting his bow was the only thing that saved him, you know, because like I said, you can't think about anything else when you're shooting. No, you can't. So, you know, when he just wanted to absolutely end everything that was going on, you know, and even himself at times, he shot his ball. And I was like, what a beautiful thing to have to do instead of what he was contemplating. Like, yeah. you know, Nick Hart, one of our good friends that we travel in our part of his ministry, like, you know, it's one of the things he talks about, like, wow, you know, can you imagine that shooting your boat has so much more powerful things that you can do? So, yeah. So hopefully that's what, you know, just showing that our family is nuts. We're crazy. We are absolutely <laughs> crazy. We do way more than, than what I recommend doing. If you want to do it, great. We'll show the way. But at the end of the day, you know, it, it's what, it's what definitely feeds us. But just getting involved as a family and doing it. Hopefully we inspire other families to just keep doing it and growing that, that love for the kids and just showing that this is something that can keep kids out of doing stupid things, you know, and showing them that they can make goals and achieve them and do great things and be independent. And when they have rough stuff going on in their life that they can achieve great things, you know, it's all good stuff. I don't know a single negative aspect of it. You know, even drama has a silver lining. <laughs> it's a good thing. Probably the only really big drawback is uh, money. Oh, yeah. Once you get into it, you're always spending money on archery stuff. Yeah, we have a, Todd put a meme out there somewhere. Of, I think it's Leonardo DiCaprio or something that said, you know, something about 
you know, people are like, oh, you look really rich with all the stuff you buy. And he goes, no, that just be irresponsibility. <laughs> <laughs> it's only money. You make more every day. Yeah. Well, but and, and you spend it on experience. your equipment and other people spend it on other things. And, you know, it's what do you want to spend it on? And, you know, people gamble, they drink, they do lots of things. We buy archery equipment. We can't help it. I'm addicted to arrows. I can't help it. I like <laughs> new arrows all the time. I like crisp new arrows for shoots. New bows when they come out. Some people like designer shoes. I could care less what shoes I wear, but I will have the newest, latest rest, peep, cover, design, fresh set of arrows when I need them. <laughs> can't help it. <laughs> designer bows. Designer, designer bows. clothes and designer bows. Yep. <laughs> yep. I I got new pretty strings. Yep. What colors did you get on your strings? Oh, this last time, you know, when I first um started shooting, I used to put ghost, you know, the gas ghost strings. Yeah. Um on all of them. They were all ghost white because that was the best at the time. You know, I, I, I'd ask Eric, I'm like, well, what are the best? He goes, well, the ghost XBs. I go, well, then that's what you need to send me. Well, then, um, I was like, well, they're kind of boring. Like everything's just black and white. And I kind of want to do something, you know, brighter. Not boring. Like, well, you do know that all of our strings are good. And I'm like, I'm sure they are, you know, and he's like, no, I'm, I'm serious. They're all good. <laughs> they're all whatever. And I said, all right, we'll send me something different. So now I've, I've shot them all. I, I know that there's differences in the different strings. I visited the factory, which if you ever want to see, you know, a really cool situation. I mean, there are great strings out there all over. There are great companies oh. that make strings. Like you said, you make your own. Um, there are great. I'm not saying that they are, you know, the only string manufacturer in the world that makes great strings by any means, but. I, you know, got to see firsthand their um, quality control, you know, process. They have amazing customer service. I love it. And I got to, to see the, the process from start to finish. Like they got their order in the computer and I got to watch it start to finish. And um, right now I, so now I'm like, I don't care. Like I'll take anything, you know, because now I know it doesn't matter what it is. Like it's all great quality. But they've got, um, oh gosh, let's see. I think I have fluorescent pink or like flow pink on my 36. That's my 3D bow. <laughs> I have turquoise on my um, backup 3D set, which is like my outdoor one. You didn't see what I'm holding up. Ooh, that's fancy. Pink and purple. Fluorescent pink there you and purple. Go. Yep, I, I have all the different string colors. I made little samples to test, see what color I wanted to make. And, and, yeah. and this is a blue and a tan. Um, yeah, those are green and pink. Um, I usually yeah. just do solid colors. I haven't tan, done tan much and, of the mix. Tan and mountain berry. Um, some of these I didn't complete yet done, but... Um, Yep, I've gotten away this from got just like being like, colors. send me the Ghost XVs. Now I'm like, what do you got that's really bright and flashy? I think I have 
royal blue on my indoor setup. I'm trying to think. I might have green on. I think I have, I do have ghost on my um, face four. Nope, that has glow pink on it. My face four has glow pink on it. So yeah, they're bright and flashy now. Because yep. I got to move But they do um, personalized speed knocks. So the last time that Todd called in my order, he had my name put on it. So oh, yeah. Like, oh, your <laughs> name's put on them. So yeah, that's makes kind it of your they said they'll put anything but zebra on them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, ha, 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 that's funny. But, yeah, but for the zebra so, strings, right? <laughs> that's that's my thing. But I I have a very um, specific way that I turn, that I tie my peeps in. And so I have like that little trademark you know, way that I tie everything in. And so I always have people like taking a look at my peeps and doing all kinds of different things to them. So I I like that. I like that people like to look at my bright streams and they're like, what's all that? And what do you got going on there? So they're kind of flashy. Yeah. Why not? Kind right. Yeah. I'm like, why not? But, and there's a lot of different ways to tie peeps in. I've probably tied them myself four different ways. Oh yeah, for sure. It and none depends of it's on how wrong. I feel at the time. <laughs> right. None of it's wrong. It's kind of funny because I've always had a certain way of doing just about everything. And like my older sister can usually point things out. Like I'm a hairstylist, so I have different ways of doing things. And she used to sit in the salon, you know, she'd wait in the waiting room and she could tell like who my last client was, you know, as they walked out. <laughs> She's like, that one was yours. I'm like, what is that? She goes, I can just tell by the way their hair was curled or whatever. I'm like, like it's a cookie cutter or something. She goes, nope, I can just tell it's your work, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and, you know, handwriting or whatever, just a signature, signature thing. So it's kind of fun. So I guess you put your stamp on stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I know I got a buddy of mine. He's a hairdresser and he's, and, and, and I've watched people come in. This one time, this one lady walked in and you know just just the hairdo just the way it, it looked you know one of those that you probably they'd walk down the street you know you really wouldn't notice them but when she walked out you'd have turned around and looked at it that's just the hairdo mm -hmm. the only thing changed was the hair and it's it's amazing what that little i don't know he's he was so good but just whatever he did it just looked amazing when, when she walked out mm -hmm. you know it, the transition and no clothes change, no makeup change. You see a lot of those, you know, they'll they'll have the before pictures, you know, no makeup, frowning, this one, makeup, all, all, all smiling. It's like, no, it's, it's everything. This, it, it's amazing, you know, what some of that do. And it's the thing on the bows, you know, it's it, if you're attracted to the bow, it looks cool. You like the way it looks. You feel good holding it. You're going to shoot better. It's everything, but I think that's why it's all part of it. You know, it's just like the students, I tell them, you know, I go, it's more than just the haircut. Like it's how you make somebody feel. It's how do you feel it? It's just like, you know, I, I don't know. There's a difference between driving, you know, a, a Cadillac and driving a, a little, you know, 
a little Malibu, you know, car. There's a difference. It's the, it's how it handles, how it makes you feel. It's the prestige of it. It's like, it's the whole package. It's like, how does something make you feel? You know, it's, it's the whole thing. It's not just the haircuts. It's not just no. that. So it, it is, it's, it's the whole thing. Even shooting a bow, like, how does it make you feel? How does it feel in your hand? How does it draw back? How does it hold? How does it aim? How is the, your equipment working? You know, how is all of that going? How do you feel when you're shooting it? I mean, if you don't like looking at it and you don't like the color of something and you think it looks stupid, you're definitely not going to shoot it well. No. Well, that's the first time I take somebody looking for a bow, you know, especially new archers because they don't really know what to, to look for. I says, you know, if they're right hand, right, shoot right handed or shoot left handed. Um, it's like, okay, uh, here's here's all the bows. Put it in your hand. How's it feel? Mm -hmm. If you don't like the way it feels when you put it in your hand, put it back up. Right. And now we get a couple of them you like the way they feel. Okay, now then we'll we'll look at, at setting it up. And I always set the draw weight to the lowest it'll go. Yeah. You know, because we're not trying to see how much you can pull or see what it right. feels like pirate. We want to compare them at the same same poundage, you know, and Absolutely. then we can always crank it up. You know, I, I, I 70 pounds, you know, it's still if I'm going to try a bow, I want it at 60, you know, because I want to feel how it feels. All of them at 60, 29 inches, 60 pounds, all about need to be there so I can see how they feel. And sometimes you get a boat, you just don't like the way it feels or you can't get it set up. I had a bow one time when I was a PSC dealer. Uh, they also bought Browning Archery and they come out with its one bow. I forget what model, but it had counter rotating camps. And one of the guys I talked to was actually a, a, a rep for him and work for him. He knew which one I was talking about, but I wanted to shoot that just because I thought it was so cool to have one cam rotate one way, but the other way, they were just uh -huh. counter rotating. It was like, it was cool. And so I set it up. I could not get it to fit me. No matter what I did, I could not get that bow to fit me. And I want to shoot it because I thought it was cool that this right. should be shooting that one. But I just, it just would not, something around it, I just couldn't get it to fit me right. Yeah, And that's so what you have to go happen. through. It's like, if it don't fit you, you know, you can go out and spend $2,500, $3,000 on a bow. If it don't fit you and you grab a, a bow from the pawn shop that fits you perfectly, which one has more value? The cheap pawn right. shop one for three, $400. And you want to be excited. I mean, it's like I've seen people buy something in the store. It's like we'll have a husband and wife come in and they'll both want to get set up for, you know, a bow. And the husband will totally miss the mark that like the wife is more excited about, you know, the string dampeners that are all blingy and the case that she picked up that's got some girly camo trim on it that would make her excited about walking out with that bow right you know then the bow itself you know she's literally more excited about the accessories and he's like we don't need none of that stuff you know and it's like i'm telling <laughs> you right now if you bought the 80 dollars worth of accessories she's actually going to go home and practice in the backyard with you today and be excited about this but if you keep naysaying her on the accessories, she's literally going to walk out of here and not go. She's not going to shoot that bow with you. Like she's not going to buy the bow today. 
Like she, she's not going to do it. You just took all the joy out of it. Like she was so excited that she was like, she found a case that had this really cute real tree. I mean, <laughs> I think it's silly, but I, I'm not the one that needs to be excited about shooting this ball. Like it, it doesn't matter to me. I'm already, I, it doesn't matter if I have a case that does it. Like, in fact, I don't want my bow in a case. I'd like to throw my bow in the back seat fully put together. It annoys me to have to put my bow together. <laughs> I don't want a case. I want it fully put together. I just want it ready to go and to be able to shoot. But here is a young lady that wants a fancy case because it makes her excited to shoot her bow. Buy the case. Make her right. excited to shoot her bow. She wants the dampeners that are bright pink that matches the trim on her case. Buy the case. Buy it. It's going to make her excited, you know, but, right. it, but it's not important to him. So he doesn't understand it. So it's kind of fun. Like, you know, part of me, sometimes I, I walk out brokenhearted for people because they're so straight minded, you know, about right. just what matters to them that they ruin the joy that's so little for somebody else that might literally bring this couple together for shooting their bow you know, together, because he just wants her to get into it, but he doesn't understand that it literally would take a bow case to make her excited about shooting this thing. <laughs> but, you know, he'll, he'll be hard headed and not buy the damn case. And she won't want to buy the bow. She'll find something wrong with it. In fact, I think that day she literally found something wrong with the bow and didn't buy it. They walked out, he walked out with a bow and she didn't. And she was so excited. She was like, oh yeah. And then, oh my gosh, look at this, like this case and this. And he's like, yeah, I, we don't need any of that stuff. Like, we don't need any of that. Like, you know, and by you know, 20, 30 minutes later, she was like, well, you know, it didn't really quite feel right. And, you know, all that. And I'm like, you know, we could probably work a deal and get you a good deal on that. And she's like, yeah, it's just so cute. And it would go really good. And I'm like, this is totally about this case, you know, and he just didn't yeah. see it. It was totally about the case. I'm like, oh, sometimes it's about the frosting, buddy. Like it's the frosting. Like you just yeah. missed it. But you know, yeah. it people have to realize like people do things for different reasons. And sometimes it's about carrying it in a cool case. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And know. who knows? Yeah, I I had one time I was teaching the kid how to shoot, and the dad was basically sitting here contradicting everything I said to do. He was saying it, do it wrong. And it's like, you know, I'm wasting my time with this kid because the kid's going to go home. The dad's going to screw him all up and I'm doing a good at all. You know, because the kid didn't know any better than telling him to basically shut up and let me, you know, yep, let me learn the right way. And he's not going to be able to do very good. And then he's going to get discouraged yeah. and then it's going to sit on a shelf and it's done. I, I had, had something kind of similar to that. I was teaching this lady how to shoot her first bow. The husband had shot before, so he had been shooting, and I'm teaching her how to shoot, and he's trying to counterdict me, and she's ignoring it. And they come back in, I forget how much longer, a few weeks, a couple months, whatever it was, and she was pissing him off because she'd pick which part of the X-ring to put the arrow in. Because she come in and told me, it's like, I got Roy sitting on my shoulder telling me what to do. She listened to me, ignored him, and I'm on the shoulder telling her what to do to go through the shot. And she's picking which part of the x-ray to put the arrow. <laughs> I love it. I love you know, it. It's like, 
what she taught with that, it's like, oh man, that that is just so cool, you know, that when you can teach somebody like that and she's out shooting him mm -hmm. every day, all day long. And I find that true many times. If you're gonna listen to what I'm teaching you or the coach, you know, if you you listen to your coach, you're gonna outshoot the person that has a closed mind and will not listen to the coach. For sure. For sure. That and husband and wives have a hard time coaching each other. Like I don't know yes. many that can coach each other. I can't help my husband and he can't help me. Like, I mean, it was real evident very early on that there was very little he was going to offer me you know, <laughs> with, with coaching. Like he could, he could show me how to pull my bow back, but that was about it. And I, <laughs> can help him in a few things. Like there's been a couple times where I, he's listened to me coach other kids and he's admitted a couple of things to me. Like I'll hear him tell other people, like, you know, coach Casey just says, you know, just really focus on the middle of the target and, you know, just bury that your eyes right where you want that arrow to hit. And you just, you just burn your eye into it and, and focus on just exactly where you want to hit. Cause he's always like, my bow just aims low. And I'm like, that's stupid. That's that you're focusing low on the target. That is, that is either the beginning of target panic, or you are focusing in the wrong area. Like you should be burning a hole through the target where you want to hit. And so I hear little bits of like, he is listening, like, oh, but it, he would never yeah, you're doing. <laughs> And so he, I like, I can't really help him. And so I stopped trying to like coach him. Like if he asks me like, Hey, will you take a look at this? And like, I'll help him take measurements or like work on a site tape or like, you know, his eyesight's gotten worse in the last year. You know, he just had the big 50 the other day. We just celebrated oh, a whole 50. Huh? You know? <laughs> so I'm not quite there yet even though I just had another big milestone myself. So, you know, I'll help him with stuff like that, but I can't coach him. We're too close. I don't know many husbands and wives that can. So it's like, leave that to the professionals. Get a good close family friend or, you know, somebody that you trust that's knowledgeable. Do not try to coach each other. I do not know hardly any couples actually None of the husbands and wives that I know, none of the boyfriends and girlfriends that I know, actually, I can't think of a single couple that I know that are successful at coaching each other in any facet at all. Not a single one out of our archery family. So yeah, that's not good. And and parent to kid, like I I say I coach our daughter. No, I encourage her. I encourage her. I, I remind her what our coach says. Our coach tells me what I'm to remind her of on the range. <laughs> but yeah. when it comes to coaching her, she's truly getting her coaching from another coach. It may literally be the same words that would come out of my mouth if I were to coach her, but it can't come from me. She doesn't hear it from me right. in the same way. To me, I'm, to her, I'm nagging her. And it, it's yeah. <laughs> literally the same words that would come out of my mouth, but I need to pay a million dollars to someone else to tell her the exact same words, because for me, it, it's not the same, you know, but that's just how it works, unfortunately. And then I go yeah. and share 
the same information with others because, you know, I can't help but share that information with others because I, I want to see other people, you know, do well too. But um, yeah, it's, it is something else to try and, well, coach your, your significant other or your kids and then have them be closed-minded, you know, or not pay attention or not listen. And then on the other side of it, you know, if God forbid you give them bad information or they think you give them bad information, oh, yeah. then it's really bad. You know, like actually during S3DA nationals where Claire um, took second, you know, I was trying to teach her about course management. You know, that was one of our big focuses this year was managing the course. Look at the course. You can't go hard for every single 12. You can't. You know, if you do, it's a little reckless. This is a two-day course. You know, right. day one, let's feel it out. Let, you know, go for the ones you know for sure you can go for. But if you start out in the deficit, you, you've you got a problem for day two. We don't want to go. We don't want to give away points in day one when we, we could stay where we need to be. Well, she goes hard at it. That kid is reckless. Like she's, she just, she is on or she's off. Like, so we're working on course management. Well, she went all the way, like all through it. And so she gave away a few points. Well, day two, I'm like, listen, you are down, you know, you're down six. I think she was down six or eight points. And I said, you've got to make that up plus some. And we don't know how this young lady is going to shoot today. She shot lights out yesterday. You've got to match her and exceed six to eight points to catch her. This is going to take all you've got today. So you got to be on and then some. Do you understand me? And she's like, yep. I'm like, okay. So it's, it's management today. You can't get back any points. So safe 12s. That means connectors. We're aiming at connectors. We're not blowing out the top of stuff. We're not dropping out the bottom of it. We're not going like gangbusters. We're not out here like Rambo. Do you understand me? <laughs> She's like, okay. Well, then she started playing too safe and she started hitting tens where she would have normally just like blown out of there, like going crazy at them. So then, you know, she should have hit two or three of them that I'm like, what is that? Like, what is that? And she's like, you're telling me to play it safe. And I'm like, uh, that's not what I said. You know, I'm like, I didn't say don't go for them. I said, play it on the safe side of them. You know, maybe not aim at the dead center of them, maybe aim at the bottom third of them, you know, but not center 10, you know, like, but I had already crossed the threshold. She was mad at me. She's 12. I'm mom. <laughs> I'd already lost the competition for her. How are we ever going to recover? And it, it was over mentally. It was already like, I'd lost it in the third, first three targets for her because I gave her bad advice. I told her to play safe. How dare I? In addition, my husband probably felt the same way because how dare <laughs> I tell her to play it safe when she could have gangbustered it and come out just like crazy amazing. And then the young lady that she was shooting against shot lights out again, amazing, <laughs> earned her first place. And it, it was the cards fell where they were going to fall. It was what it was. Yeah. 
I was the only level-headed one on the course that day, apparently. <laughs> so, you know, it's one of those things where you just, it, it's, you can give good advice and it, it comes across in the wrong way, or you can give, you know, so-so advice and it comes across the best way and in the best circumstances, but more than likely, not with, not with somebody super close to you, that's for sure. Yeah, she. you said play it safe. That's all she heard. Nothing after that's that she, she heard. heard. Center 10. Yeah. Just center 10. Yeah. I yeah. was like, what are you doing? Like, you should have gotten that. That was a 22-yard target. Like, what are you doing? She's like, well, you told me to play it safe. No, no, no. <laughs> I said safe side of them. That means not at the top of the 12 because she goes for uppers a lot. That means connectors, connectors, like the bottom of the upper 12, not center 12 or center 10. Like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. what are you you doing? probably just said, okay, do you know what you need to do this time? And let her figure out what she needed to do. Exactly. And that's where I was at. I was like, scratch that I ever said anything. Trust your gut. You know what's, you, and that's basically what I said. Trust your gut and go out there and shoot your game. You know, you know what you got to do. Go out there and she shot fantastic. She actually matched her score the second day, but she was eight points down from the day before. So there yeah. was nothing she could do. I go, unfortunately, you gave everything you, you did yesterday away. She tied her, you know, day two. I go, so unfortunately, you gave away yesterday what you gave away. There's nothing we can do, but you shot amazing today. So it's a win. It's good. It's good. You still hit the podium. It's wonderful. You shot fantastic. You can't win them all. I know. It's amazing. You can't win them all. There are other amazing archers out here working very hard too. Yeah, you, you learn from every shoot. Every every shot you take, you learn from. Yep. So, and it'll be, you know, harder and harder as she gets older. She's just not used to not dominating it. <laughs> yeah. Move up a division and, and it's hard to dominate that new division. Well, and you know, I used to be able to say, I don't know many kids that work harder than that kid. You know, Claire used to shoot hours every single day. You know, she had a hunger in her that I'd never seen in another kid. Now that she's getting a little older, She's not as devoted to it. She still practices a lot. She still works very hard at it. But, you know, she's at that age now where it's harder for her to be as devoted to it. She's got more homework, more things like that on her mind. And so, you know, it gets harder. So we'll see what we'll see what the future brings. But yeah. I told her, I go, we're on this ride as long as you're you're driving the bus, kid. So we'll see. We'll see where she wants to go with it. Yep. Let, let her go where she wants to go. She wants to go harder then go harder. She wants to back off a little bit. And, you know, I've talked to several people that they just went crazy for a while and then things happened, you know, family stuff. And now they're back into it again. You know, they just never lost the, the passion for it. They just, things got in the way and, and then you go back to it. And sometimes you go back even better than it was when you left. Yeah. You have time to get away from all the bad habits. And then now you're learning you know, the good habits and. Exactly. 
well, we tease her, you know, she'll go, oh, I'm just feeling a little burnout. I'm like, that's fine. Take a break off. Me and dad will just go. Well, that takes about 30 seconds. And then she's like, what time are we leaving? When do we leave in the morning? How many days are we going to be gone? How long do I got to pack? For? Like, yeah, I thought that was going to last about 30 seconds. <laughs> Yeah, when, when you guys are going too, and then she's like she enjoys it so much, then yeah, she's not let, gonna let you go without her. Because mm -hmm. that's what we're telling us like, oh, no, 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 we are not the driving force here. Like, if you wanna go, then you know what you need to do, you know? And the last month or so, we've been really solid on like this you, everybody's taking care of their own stuff. You're gonna go out and pack up your own ball, you are packing up your own things. You're packing your stuff. You're loading your stuff. You know, when we got to IBO, she was like, wait a minute, what? You didn't load my stuff? Uh, no, uh, you need to pack your own stool, your own things. You're getting on the bus yourself. They're picking you up at the thing. Like you're 12 years old. It's time for you. You know what you need to have. Like you've done this enough. Like it's time for you to do this. She's like, oh, well, uh, okay. And she did. <laughs> She goes, well, where's my rain jacket? I don't know. Where, what'd you do with that? You know, I'm like, <laughs> I want to tell you. So this time was like, she's usually pretty independent. Like she, she gets up on her own, does her own thing. Like school's usually not a problem. But this last time she was all totally on her. I'm like, if you don't have what you need, I don't know what to tell you. You got to figure it out. But this time it was like, we're all shooting. We're all doing our own thing. you all, we're all packing our own stuff. So it, it, it's good. It makes them much more independent. And now I don't have to do all her stuff, which is great. Well, then if you forget something and she's mad at you for forgetting it now, if it's not there, it's her own fault. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, now I can't be mad at Todd and he can't be mad at me if he forgets his quiver and, you know, all those good things. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's that's definitely the way to go once you get there. And I know a lot of times when my kids are younger, it's like I'm I'm loading the car with everything that we need, and then they get there, and then I'm unloading the car, and it's like okay, now they're old enough they can load their own stuff. Mm -hmm. Although this last trip we were gone for about two and a half weeks, and we had one, two. Well, we had our ASA bows plus our IBO bows, so I think we had. Well, so we had six bows in there and all our different setups and we didn't take a hitch extension. A lot of times we'll take our hitch extension. So it was kind of like playing a game of Tetris in the back of that truck. So not everybody <laughs> yeah. can load that. That's my game. So we, Todd brings everything out to the back of the truck and then I just point and he hands and I stack and put every <laughs> little thing in nook and cranny and literally down to like every boot gets put in just so, so all of our stuff <laughs> gets put in so that nothing gets squished, nothing gets ruined. Cause yeah, this trip was tight getting everything down a lot. Cause we take targets and stuff to practice. Like we had an Airbnb so that we could take we took our small bag target and then we have a, um, a deer body, like little target that we take so that we can warm up right at our Airbnb in the morning um, so that we don't have to try and get to the shoot site early and then get on a bag or do any of that. We can warm up and then just put our bows in the back seat with 
you know, player has to hold bows clanking together as we drive down the road, but it makes things a little smoother for us in the mornings. So yeah, it's just a lot of travel, but we're living the dream. Yeah, it sure sounds like it. So what, what would, um, and parting thoughts here, just let our audience know a little something that you want to tell them and, and we're just kind of, um, you know, say whatever you want to say to the audience and. Oh, let's see. Well, I mean, if you're already shooting a bow, you know, you know how amazing it is, but, um, you know, if you're just getting into it, just, you know, keep at it, try something new, push yourself. You know, I think it's one of those things like, if you only know one facet of it and you never push yourself to try something new, you don't know what's out there. Um, I didn't realize that, um, you know, people that didn't compete, didn't know that there were competitions like local and national and things that they could do and get into. Um, people that do the TAC events for fun you know, that they're, they're, you know, doing all these crazy distances and stuff, and they're not really competing. They're just doing all these things for fun, had no idea that they could go and compete, you know, for things. Um, the R100s where you're doing those kinds of things for fun, had no idea that there were organized competitions. Um, guys that just hunt, at, you know, for fun or, or not for fun, hunt to put food on the table, didn't know that their local archery clubs, you know, offer different things um, to support their local organizations, um, you know, and so just finding out more and more on social media about what's available out there. And then, you know, realizing that if we don't spread the word about what is available and get the love of shooting a bow out there, this sport will not flourish. It is such a, a learned skill that you have to develop over time that if you don't see or don't learn the aspect that drives you and what is your passion for it, then it's not going to grow. And so we're seeing that diminish with different, you know, clubs and things like that. And yet different aspects of it are growing and kids are getting in, involved in it. And so just get out there and try something. If you feel like, yeah, yeah, I used to have a bow 25 years ago and I never really dusted it off in the closet. Well, you know, what made it boring? Get it out and find something that would make it fun again. Cause there's something for everybody, whether it's a local, right. you know, shoot, or if it's getting into something big or, or just, you know, getting into hunting again, or going and hanging out at the local archery shop. I mean, there's literally groupies that hang out every weekend at the local <laughs> archery shop. Like, yeah. Even if it's literally that, um, you know, find out what aspect of it you're missing because there's something for everybody, but we're, we're missing the boat if we don't find, you know, what that is missing. So, you know, I just, that, that's where my passion is for this is, you know, I have not met a person yet that didn't find one aspect of shooting a bow that they can get passionate about. And, um, 
you know, as a family, there's something for everybody. And so it needs to, we need to keep pushing that out there um, so that it continues to grow so that it's around for more and more generations, um, you know, to come instead of it being a sport that just kind of fizzles out. Good, good point. It's been around for a long time and, you know, almost 70,000 years, there's evidence of yeah. archery back that long. And, and, and it, there's a reason it's still here. It's the only, probably one of the oldest sports there is. And, uh, you know, and it, it's, it's an art form. And once you learn it, it's, it's just so much fun. Mm -hmm, for sure. Well, it's been really great talking with you. Um, we've been talking quite a while now and it's just, it's just like time just flying by. Just so much to talk yeah. about. It, it's been what so much fun talking you with fun? you. And yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. We, we kind of go over, you know, we plan them for an hour, but hey, no, no limits. <laughs> My name is Rory Canterbury. I've been your host today on Arch Talk 101 with uh, Casey on the line. And we've been having a whole lot of fun and I'm sure we'll have a lot more fun. Uh, on, on future talks. And we're going to go ahead and stop the recording.